people talk glibly about science. What is science? People coming out of a university with a master's degree or a PhD, you take them into the field and they, they literally don't believe anything unless there's a peer-reviewed paper. It's the only thing they accept. And you say to them, but let's observe, let's think, let's discuss. They don't do it. It's just, is it in the peer-reviewed paper or not? <laughs> That's their view of science. I think it's pathetic. Gone into universities as bright young people, they come out of them brain dead, not even knowing what science means. They think it means peer-reviewed papers, etc. No, that's academia. And if a paper is peer-reviewed, it means everybody thought the same, therefore they approved it. An unintended consequence is that when new knowledge emerges, new scientific insights, they can never, ever be peer-reviewed. So we're blocking all new advances in science that are big advances. If you look at the breakthroughs in science, almost always they don't come from the center of that profession. They come from the fringe. The finest candle makers in the world couldn't even think of electric lights. They don't come from within. They often come from outside the brakes. We're going to kill ourselves because of stupidity. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Sunday, May 22nd, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. It looks like the stream might be struggling a little bit right out of the gate. Hope that's not happening. Have an important show for you today to focus on what's going on around the monkeypox conversation, but of course on the topics that also are not being talked about while that's being the focus. Well, that becomes the focus, which is always an important thing that we're discussing on this show to make sure that we don't just take what's put in front of us, as I call the dangling cat toy that the government's throw in front of us. So we're bad at the next thing that's in front of us and we stop paying attention. Now, obviously, you can argue that that's what I do to some degree. Take hold of what the thing is they're putting in front of you and break it down. But I also do my best to try to bring in other stories like I have plenty of points around COVID-19 today. Well, I'll try to get to in general. I don't. Timing may be an issue. But the focal point will be monkeypox today and a couple of foreign policy points and just kind of like pithy points about what's going on today that I want to share with you from a certain people. A bunch of them from Alan McLeod, actually, that I wanted to share you in the beginning. But before we jump into all of that, I just I mean, I wasn't going to say anything about this again, just because it's very personal to me. But everybody seems to be interested and it means a lot to me or care and, and are concerned about what I was saying with my dog and everything else. The reason for those that didn't hear that, I, I mentioned yesterday or the last show that. I, and I, as I'm going to say today, it's probably going to be tomorrow and the next day when this break for me begins. I don't know for sure, but after the last, after the last couple of days, the developments are not good. And it, it seems pretty clear to me that, that this is the end stage for, for my amazing dog that has been a part of this show from the very beginning. Even for those that don't know that she's always laying right here next to me and she's always been a part of the show from the very beginning. And you guys have seen little, little, you know, her head pop up here and there, but at the end of the day, it's uh, it's unfortunately 
just that time. And it's going to be hard for me. But the bottom line is I want you guys to know that I'm here. I'm okay to the wayside. Well, anything else is going on, whether in our lives or in the world or the new dangly cat toy. First of all, oh, and I think I mentioned what we're talking about today. I did just in general and a couple of things I'm going to try to get to at the end. So we'll have to wait and see. <clears throat> now, this. This was uh, the thing we showed in the very beginning. It uh, looks like Odyssey's having a little bit of an issue. Usually the Odyssey tends to resolve itself. So I hope that's not happening. But this was a great clip that I played before. We played that. I think I played this right in the beginning of the whole COVID-19 bonanza, right? We played this just to make that same point that, that really this is a highly credentialed, highly respected PhD and other plenty of other things, just kind of just waxing intellectual about the, the breakdown in scientific understanding within the politicization of that field, right? Where these people are deciding amongst themselves what they collectively think is the correct thing. And yes, they're experts to some degree, varying degrees. But as he makes very clear, it almost guarantees that the outside the box thought, which, by the way, historically is always the new thing, the new direction. Nothing new is ever accepted broadly by the consensus because the consensus is the normal, the now, right? That's the problem. Now, you always have to be open to that. It doesn't mean that anything different is always the right step. But we can see how politics has overtaken this. I mean, that's everywhere today. Even, even the, the two-party paradigm is saying that in regard to the other side. Or they're saying that about the anti-vaxxers or anti-vaxxers saying that about them. And it's like, we can all admit that it's a breakdown today and politics has taken over science, but we don't want to say it about ourselves. But the bottom line is, what a great clip. To just highlight the reality, as he says, the finest candle makers in the world couldn't even fathom the idea of electric lights. And the, the real point behind that is they even if they did, they didn't want it. And they would actively take action against its rise because it completely undermines their model. We need We know this stuff exists in the world, in politics, in government. We're all human beings. It's important to understand that. Now, I wanted one quick other off the, off the side point. I just want to share this because I feel terrible. And funny enough, this came up the other day and somebody asked me that. And I was like, I'm pretty sure. But then for the podcast, I just simply said, Off Guardian, please apologize to the amazing Kit Knightley for me because I incorrectly called, was told that Kit was a woman a while back. I don't remember from who or why, but this just kind of, I thought, I thought that was for sure. And you've been, I've been calling him she for a while now. So greatly respect his work. So I felt a public correction was important because I'm on the show talking to all these people and somebody out there took my word, you know, that this is how it's funny how these small things can happen, right? Because I'm not doing an entire show about the breakdown of what this person, whether this person's a man or a woman, but nonetheless, it still matters, right? It's a fact. And I got it wrong. And I was saying it casually in the wrong way, but my intention wasn't to misinform anybody. See how that can work. I'm speaking directly to all those people out there that think if you say something you disagree with that we're a shill, sometimes people just get things wrong. That wasn't the point I intended to make when this came up. My point was just to be like, hey, Kit, I'm sorry, because Kit does an amazing job. Really, really. Some, one of the best. I mean, the articles he keeps putting up just are exactly perfectly for that moment. So just great, great, great work. So I apologize. And my joke was hashtag not woke, just stupid. <laughs> As somebody says down here, wrong pronouns and you're canceled. And I just you know laughed at that because it's funny. But here we are. Now, another point I want to make, and I'll make a couple of foreign policy points here. Somebody shared, John Rich, I'm not sure who that was, uh, founder of Redneck Riviera. Okay, I'm not sure. I, name sounds kind of familiar. But anyway, just shared this picture. Now, you see a lot of this in the partisan discussions. Now, I'm in no way under, like, disparaging the idea of having belief in your country, caring about your country, having love for your country. Which, by the way, your country is the people, not the government. That's a very important right out of the gate point to understand. It's not the same thing. Your government are people that work for the, for the country. You're the country. 
right? They're also part of that as individuals, but when they're in that field and they're in that job, they're, they, they're supposed to be your, the living embodiment of your will, as we all pretend today. It's not how that works. My point is the country is the, are the people. But the problem is that we end up, when we point out the faults of this country, both ourselves and the government that we're supposed to be, you know, that we pretend are our will, it becomes some kind of anti-American thing. Now, how is that even possible? Aren't we, how, how do we solve problems if we're unwilling to point out those problems, right? Step one in solving any problem is first admitting we have one. We're not even at that stage, it seems, in a lot of these pro- problems. So my point in this, well, I'll read this for the podcast. It's just simply, it looks like a person, uh, a tattooed person. I mean, you could argue, it doesn't even matter. A person holding up a sign that says, this is the USA, period. There is underline, no one coming to our rescue if things go sideways. Underline, no one will be resupplying us. Underline, no one will airdrop food, ammunition, medicine. There is underline, no place to escape to for freedom. This is it. Now, I just hate, I, this is just very naive to me and very, very partisan. It doesn't have to be partisan, but I see it that way. The problem for me, let me go through it piece by piece. First of all, this is the United States. This is the USA. There is no one coming to our rescue if things go sideways. Now, that point, I could argue, would make sense. Only because I feel like the U.S. government has created such a problem for pretty much everywhere else in the world that people wouldn't want to come help the people that they perceive as that problem. Just the way that Americans perceive the Iranian people as the problem or the Russian people as the problem when they're not. Not by and large, but the point then goes on to say no one will be resupplying us. That's not true. By the way, that's already happening. People have already dropped. But like, look at the baby formula for crying out loud. They already sent some from Europe. So my point is, is this is the kind of idea that that people want to pretend that this is the bastion of freedom around the world. And by the way, that was the first point I had. No one coming to rescue if things go sideways. But the point, the reason I don't like that point, it's fair to argue that no one would come to our rescue. But that point seems to suggest that America, the government, or just the USA, is the country going around and rescuing others. And therefore, when we are in trouble, no one will come to our rescue. That's patently false. The US government is not going around the world and rescuing people. They're saying that and destroying countries over and over and over and over. And it's a child that can't see that. that. I'm not not disparaging John Rich or this person. I'm saying it's a child that cannot stand back and recognize that that's obviously what has happened. Even if it is, well, they tried to do good and just keep destroying countries. We're going to go rescue them. Oops, we destroyed it. We're going to rescue them. Oops, we destroyed it. (laughs) At some point, you got to go, well, stop trying to rescue people. My joking point there is that that's not what's happening. They're not rescuing people. So now that if we go sideways, I'd argue there's plenty of people that might step in to try to help the American people if we made it clear that our government was no longer representing us. But that's not, I don't think, the point they're making. I think it's if we're invaded and so on. But going forward, resupplying us, as I said, that's not necessarily true. There's plenty of allies, plenty of other people that are doing that already. Not that we should have to, or we'd want that. I'm just saying it's happening. Then it says no one will airdrop food, ammunition, medicine. Again, it just kind of doesn't make sense because it's already sort of happening to varying degrees. But then it says there is no places to escape to for freedom. Now, this is the worst one for me. I'm not trying to argue that this is the bastion of freedom or that any real governmental controlled place is. But the what we deem freedom around the world today, there isn't. A lot of places that have pretty, just pretty, con- rec- uh, this, uh, this, what's the word I'm looking for? Just this, this similar versions of what we consider freedom here in plenty of other countries around the world. In fact, I know this is upsetting to a lot of the partisan Americans, but a lot of places that are quite a lot, bit, a lot of, 
I can't talk right now, quite a bit better than what we're dealing with here in a lot of different ways. My point is not to say good, bad, better, worse. It is to simply say that to argue that there's just no other place to go to for freedom is just willfully ignorant of the reality of the world today. There's a lot of places that have similar versions of what we would deem we have. So to argue, it just so my point long-winded here is we need to get away from this illusion, guys. I'm not trying to disparage the United States. I believe deeply in what we have here. And again, that's even if you want to rec- are honestly discuss whether or not the Constitution is actually counterintuitive or dangerous for us because it tricks us. And so I hear all these arguments. My point is that what was written down there, whether believed in or not, has taken root in a lot of people like myself. I believe the Constitution is a good foundation and can be, but I'm open to new possibilities. My point, though, is that this is not the the, the belief that this is the only thing and everyone's going to need to support this because it's the only one that's going to save the world is ridiculous. It's about us and as Americans believing in what we can create and saving what we have from the people that believe the government can do what he's holding up in his hands right there. I hope that resonated with some people because we have this savior complex in this country where we desperately need to believe that we are the only good guys in the world and anyone they point at is bad guy and we just follow along with their destruction. It's not how this works. It's about you individually making the right choices and holding them accountable. Now, on censorship really quickly, I wanted to just make this clear. Again, Truth Social, the new the new Trump platform. I thought this was quite interesting. I was just kind of scrolling through some of the stuff. This under the hashtag Ukraine. I know this is Little Storm Rogue shared some content. Weird, sensitive content. I thought this was a free speech platform. So I'm assuming this must be graphic or something, right? Nope. Just the Russian military giving you their updates. That's all it was. Here it is right here. Briefing by the Russian Defense Ministry. That's all it is, guys. So this is this might as well be Twitter. Might as well be YouTube. I mean, really? You're going to literally put a sensitive content warning on Russian government speaking about their perception of things? I mean, good God. That's I mean, guys, that's worse than what we're seeing. I, I just recognize this is true social. They're supposed to be free speech. What, what's sensitive about that? I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say, could be a glitch. I don't believe in glitches these days, but whatever. I thought that was pretty interesting. Now, foreign policy, before we jump over to, a co- I think, oh, that's right. So I'm going to try to do this reasonably quickly. Foreign policy, and then I have some Ukraine points, and then we'll finish with monkeypox today. And that's the vast majority of the show. Interesting development. Again, you're not hearing any of this stuff because everyone, and myself included, is very consumed with what's happening around the biosecurity state and the the world pandemic treaty. But the first time ever, Russia military fired their own S-300 missiles at Israeli warplanes. That's a gigantic step in a direction that would have been paramount, catastrophic world news if it wasn't for everything else happening. Russia firing, or at the very least, Russian military, oh, it does say Russian military, you can read it for yourself, firing the S-300s, which they provided for the Syrian government. In any case, however that works out, this is a conflict now, even proxy war, if you want to make it that, between the Russian government and Israel. Now, you have to see that as one in the same as what we're dealing with in Ukraine. Not necessarily the same Middle East versus different, but the bottom line is this is Russian government going to heads with people that are very, very acutely involved in Ukraine, being Israel's government and the U.S. government. They're all part of this. So when you see this happening, you could argue this is part of the same thing. But at the very least, that's a huge escalation that no one's talking about. Which, by the way, very justified. Because Israel continues to illegally bomb Damascus and Syria. And they're currently illegally occupying Golan Heights. And they continue to do things, war crimes, left and right, because Iran, right? 
Oh, did you prove that? No, no, but Ron, bad guy. Oh, of course, we all agree, right? That's how dumb this is. Now, some great points by Alan McLeod, and it is McLeod. I like his new, his, I, I, I once called him by the wrong name because I didn't know, but it's pronounced McLeod. It's funny. But he says, I've seen this before. This is just a couple quick foreign policy points, guys, because it's falling under by the wayside. Please make sure you're following Robert's work on T-Lab because he's keeping up the end of that for this platform, making sure we're seeing the foreign policy, and I'm trying to do mine as well. Somalia's president cans oil deal hours after it was signed. Then right after that, guess what? Biden's returned to U.S. troops to Somalia, May 16th. What a coincidence, right? It's almost like when they don't do what they're told, the military goes. But for bad guys and for freedom, of course. You know, that's how it works. Here it is. Remind me again what Tupac said about having money for wars, but not for the poor. Senate passes $40 billion for Ukraine. Cool. Same day, Senate blocks 48 billion aid package for restaurants and other small businesses. You know, so they destroyed your life with the illusion of COVID-19, which is about to happen again with smallpox or yeah, might as well be monkeypox, whatever else. Don't know that for sure, but I see it coming. It could is the point, but they don't care about you, right? Oh, 48 billion. That's way too much. But let's dump 53 billion really over to Ukraine neo-Nazis because, you know, we have to defend freedom, even though it's not even remotely what's happening. I don't understand how in the world, even if you support Ukraine, why the hell you think that makes sense? You are being stolen from. That's your money coming out of your pocket while you can't feed your family. And he goes, on Ukraine, why not read his investigation on how viral sensation the Kiev Independent, you know, that sudden gigantic platform that's lying about key, what just basically dumping whatever they tell them to say on top of you, whatever the mayor said over there, and then the U.S. media is the same thing, is being funded by Western governments. Oh, shocking. That's that's the independent media they're funding over in Ukraine, right? And here's one that he deleted. I'm not sure why. Maybe they made him delete it. I'm certain that's what they seem to do these days. But he says, from heroes to villains in no time at all. And here's the what he's sharing right here. This is on, uh, where was this? This is June 20th, 2021. Okay, look how fast this shifts. June 20th, honoring heroes. NHS heroes will be honored by the Sons Who Cares Wins Award. What a terrible title, by the way. So the, the award's called is called Who Cares Wins Award. I mean, tell me if I'm reading that wrong. It says it right there. It's very weird. But anyway, they honor them. They're heroes, right? Just NHS. They're heroes. That's the point. That's not new. We've all heard that a thousand times, right? What, what's the third? What, what's the, the thing they say in UK? I'm forgetting it now. That fund the NHS, something NHS, protect the NHS. Like they're under threat. It's like it's ridiculous. But jump forward to right now. Guess what? The same outlet says the cash-guzzling woke NHS blob is almost beyond saving. (laughs) Wow. Talk about a shift, huh? The cash-guzzling woke NHS blob is almost beyond saving. So we can either pretend that this is just them, whatever they're told to say, report of the moment, or that this somehow magically changed between the heroes of the world to the most disgusting beyond-saving institution in less than a year. I mean, it's certainly possible, I guess, but it's just the shifting of what we're pointing at right now. So are they about to become the scapegoat? Are we, has too much been exposed to the point to where somebody's got to be thrown under the bus? Is he the Fauci or is the Fauci? You know, I I didn't, I expected Fauci to be thrown. It doesn't seem like he has been, but who knows how it's going to work out. Very interesting though. That just shows you double standards, hypocrisy. Nothing means anything and everything means nothing. They can just dump out, just blindly tell you whatever they want you to say and just jump into the next topic 30 seconds later. And you're the conspiracy theorist for pointing that out. Foreign policy. Richard Medhurst makes some really excellent points here. 
just that we really need to think about. Like, this is the kind of double standard. And I shared this in my own tweet saying the same thing. This kind of double, this is the classic. Like, we can expect this kind of double standard from them every time, guys. So Russian offensive in Ukraine, they simply, and this is not, this is what they're, this is what they're saying. Let me just read it. They're, so Russian offensive Ukraine in Ukraine that's based on perceived threat from NATO is Kremlin propaganda. Right. So even him saying that, which is obvious, we all know that. We can see the NATO encroachment. Of course, they say it's for freedom, so he's not allowed to point at it, which is stupid. But the point is, it's propaganda. If he says it's because of that, it's propaganda. But Israel, which we just told you last show, when he reported as well, Israel can apparently attack Syria pretty much every week based on, quote, what they'll tell you, a perceived threat from Iran. And you know what that is? We've talked about it. The Bethlehem Doctrine. That's what it is. The U.S. and U.K. and Israel, the only groups that use this, and they literally pretend they've got a legal right. They don't to bomb someplace because they claim they have a perceived threat. You don't ever get to hear what that perceived threat is. In most cases, it's been shown to not even exist. So it's a way they can bomb places and pretend like they've got a justification, and they literally call it preemptive self-defense. Talk about a ridiculous contradiction. My point is, Israel does that. And his point is, they just did, based on a perceived threat from Iran that they don't even have to prove. On the flip side of it, we can very, very clearly see Everybody can see NATO's encroachment towards whatever the reason is they're doing that. Whatever their justification is, it's still a threat to Russia. So why is one different than the other? Because they're disgusting, ridiculous hypocrites and they have double standards. They don't, it doesn't even matter. They don't even care. It's just about whatever Russia does being bad and whatever Israel does is acceptable, period. And it applies to the rest of their allies. Now it says Israel's illegally occupying Syria since 1967. The Golan Heights and other, I mean, Israel's doing this all over the world and so is the U.S. Only Syria can speak of defense. Exactly. Incredible. Now, a great article from Robert that I wanted to make sure we saw during all of this with the Ukraine refugees, NATO's racist refugee double standard. Talking about double standards. This is really important to hear, guys. He says, although it's always a great thing to aid others in the time of need, many are asking why it's so easy right now for Ukrainians to settle in some NATO member states, but for refugees from the Middle East, Africa, Asia, the same right is simply not afforded. Take Poland, for instance, the country that has taken in the largest amount of Ukrainian refugees, 3.4 million. This is a country that would simply not allow even a few thousand Afghans and Kurdish refugees to their country. Now, first, first of all, it shouldn't be anybody else's decision, <clears throat> whether or not I disagree with it, right? The bottom line is it's their choice. They have a right to decide who goes in their country. But we all, of course, have a choice to point out that why you would let in some people and not others. And we get to decide if, what, on, our, on our perception whether we think that's wrong, justified, racist, whatever. But the point is they still have the right to do so. Same thing with free speech and everything else, right? It's their country. They can make that choice. But the point is when it was Afghans and Kurdish people, they said, no, no, can't do it. Polish authorities even built a wall to keep, in order to keep out those refugees, forcing them into exile in which many froze to death. Now, again, hear me on this. I'm not saying that they're obligated to do so. They have that right to say no. My point is simply the next part. Excuses were made by Polish politicians for years that their country simply could not handle taking in thousands of refugees, just thousands. At this time, they were mostly Iraqi, Syrian, Afghan, and Kurdish refugees, right? They said, we just can't, arguing that doing so would place too much of a burden on their country, their society, their economy. Jump forward moments later, now they're denying, oh no, now they're allowing millions of, ref of Ukrainian refugees. Why is it that such a country will seemingly only take refugees if they look a certain way? 
This is a relevant question, especially when the U.S. Biden administration attempts to pride itself on claiming to be inclusive and rejecting racism, but yet working with people like neo-Nazis in Ukraine and people in Poland that will only accept certain people of with certain looks, right? I mean, come on. 3.4 million Ukrainians. Well, what about the economy issues and the, and the society? You Well, clearly it was just because those certain people weren't acceptable to you, which you have a right to say, but I have a right to call you disgusting. He goes on to say, in addition to this, European nations and the United States are turning their attention away from war-torn Syria when it comes to aid donations. Right. So they destroy Syria, utterly, absolutely destroy it, carry out multiple false flag chemical attacks, faking some, allowing some to happen, destroying their country, mercilessly bombing places like Raqqa, like uh, what was the other one? Basically, the point is they do this and they carpet bomb and they bury people in these areas, act like it's all terrorists. In these areas. We've since looked back and found out that wasn't the case. Bottom line is they destroyed this and they're still stealing. They're still occupying wheat, oil, and so on. Okay. Now the United Nations fell nearly $4 billion short of their target aid fundraiser for the people in Syria, which has been in large part attributed to donors prioritizing Ukraine right now. Right. So basically the United States is just redirecting their efforts to, to what they want to be doing under the guise that they're still helping people, but they're not. They're stealing, they're, they're taking the money that they would be giving the Syrians, which they would deserve, which again, the point is when you destroy this country, I would argue you have an obligation to help them, but I don't think it's even going to help them to be quite honest, but they're taking that money and they're going here. Use that money to hurt people in Ukraine. But it says Britain is diverting money. This is coming from Matt, Mark Lowcock in the U, from the UK. Britain is diverting money from starving people in Afghanistan and Yemen. So not just Syria, but all of them. And they're doing that to deal with Ukraine. Right. So what's happening in Ukraine? A war, for sure, of questionable nature on both sides, especially the people that we know are the people that we they'll tell you who they are if you just simply listen. But the U.S. government says, no, you're wrong. Don't listen to what they tell you they are. Here's what they actually are. They're good guys. Just like they said about the moderate rebels in Syria, because we know how that goes. But the point is, Yemen, Afghanistan are suffering hugely because of what they did, because of their actions and nobody denies that. You can scream it was all for freedom, but you still left them in a destroyed state like Libya and everywhere else. So now they're going, we're going to stop all that money when they're still helping people because we want a war to continue. So then when they destroy Ukraine, then they'll probably steal money from them to go to the next war. But is it about helping people or carrying on war? And it's completely the wrong thing to do, he says. Food prices are going up. People can't afford food. And the aid agencies helping them are having their resources cut. Britain is guiltier than anybody of that diversion. In Germany, for instance, reports have even emerged the authorities had evicted, evicted hundreds of Afghan families from government housing in order to make way for Ukrainian refugees. Now, I'm not saying that these Ukrainian refugees aren't necessarily, they shouldn't get some kind of place. Like, bottom line is, I'm not, I shouldn't say deserve from any refugee standpoint, unless you're the government that destroyed their country. And I would argue you have an obligation. The point is, these are refugees. And I'm not saying that they're the neo-Nazis. We don't know if there's some involved in the refugee process, but the bottom line, these are just Ukrainians being abused by the neo-Nazi end and everything else is allowing this to happen. And by the way, by, if you want to talk about the our allegations of war crimes from Russia, don't forget, we've never stated that they're not capable of that and wouldn't do it. The point is that any people in war are capable of doing terrible things, but we can't just harp on the ones that they point at and only this case when we have a thousand examples of it on the other side. All governments are dangerous. War is bad. The point, though, is that these refugees are being kicked out of their homes after given this because of what's happening there because Ukraine refugees need it. But isn't why is that allowed? Why these people should are suffering now? And he, as it goes forward, according to a piece published in Foreign Policy magazine entitled Germany is Displacing Afghan Refugees to Make Way for Ukrainians, social workers showed up at the doors of these Afghan families with no notice and told them to leave their homes and make way for Ukrainians. No space for an appeal. 
just 24 hours to leave. Think about how ridiculous that is. Now, I'm not saying that people who have, I mean, it's their choice, again, to give resources where they see fit. But isn't this a little bit insensitive? What are they going to do? Where are they going to go? They're refugees. They don't have any money. In most cases, they don't. I mean, in most cases, by the way, on top of that, what I'm hearing about a lot of these Afghan refugees is it's quite a bit different. Now, I don't want to broadly say that, but I have seen plenty of examples of what they're saying on Facebook, talking about how what a vacation this is, driving nice cars. I'm just going to go ahead and say that it's there's something weird going on there. I haven't really dug into it very deep, but my bottom line is these people shouldn't be kicked out of their homes after being given this after the U.S. government and the U.K. destroyed their country. Just disgusting. Interviewees, including in, included in the article, they're claiming that German authorities specifically planned it this way in order to avoid the stories being publicized. Think about that. Many of the families that claims allegedly victims of Taliban violence. You mean the Taliban that they're currently dealing with? Exactly. It just, it just, it's, it's a double standard. Bottom line. And on top of that, U.S. lied about Ukraine's prospects. Ex-Obama official claims. Lying is effectively standard practice for diplomats, he says, in the real world. Washington has deliberately lying about Ukraine's prospects to ever join NATO, knowing that the former Soviet Republic isn't a legitimate contender to qualify for membership of the Western military bloc, according to him. That doesn't mean they won't do it anyway. You know, they don't care about their own rules. That's obvious. But what the point is here is that they know that based on their own current rules, that they're not even it's not even applicable. So I would argue that they might do it anyway, but the point was to even just whether or not they're going to do it, push it forward to drive action from Russia, which is ultimately what seems to be suggested here. And it's an ex-Obama official. And then a couple of last points. Patrick Lancaster's pointing out Ukraine using incendiary, possibly phosphorus shells on civilian homes. You can watch this for yourself, guys. <clears throat> I mean, it's really ridiculous how much of this evidence there is. Like he's just talking to people that are living there, telling you who's doing this and watching what's happening and destroying their places. Here's Ukraine fire on the city of uh, Volnavaka. Here are the results. Now, I'm not saying take it at face value. You should never do that. But Patrick Lancaster has laid an, an, an obvious level of continuity from story to story to story, from place to place to place, talking to people, giving you their names, their surnames, their locations, the numbers on these addresses. You can confirm all this stuff for yourself if you have the resources. It's there. You're not getting that from the corporate media. And what he's showing you is undeniable. But question it like anything else. But why do these not matter? Why don't we get a story in the Western Wall Street Journal saying Patrick Lancaster says? Well, because they don't care. They only care what Ukraine claims with no evidence. Even though he has loads of evidence, they still don't care. It's happening, guys. You know this is happening. I've proven it to you. They're also lying about Bucha and Karma Stock and all the different places they've claimed they're hurting people, guys. I mean, this is what we really need to walk away from and realize that they are actively choosing to hurt people and your governments and the Western press are actively covering that up. And to the point to where they're literally changing pictures and titles because they know what it shows you, which means you know that they're aware of that cover-up. Now, in regard to a really last quick point on, on the old Nazi discussion, as we've shown plenty that there's, I guarantee there's white supremacist level people, fascist level people in Russia, just like there are in the United States and a lot of pretty much probably everywhere. Does that mean that it's Putin's Nazis or everyone in Russia? It's stupid. I'm not even saying the same thing about Ukraine. What I'm saying is the government is completely overtaken by it because it's a CIA agenda that's driven this into reality. The regime changed first and overtaken. This is all documented stuff. But I want you to think about something. Regardless of any of that, their argument is Putin's Nazis, right? Putin is the white supremacist leader of the world. They've written this stuff down, which is no evidence for. But how in the world is Putin a Nazi while he literally just spent a decade saving Syria? Now, they'll dispute that that's what happened. 
but it's pretty obvious that they're there. They're, they're not encroaching on territory and they have a deal with Assad. They can, you can claim they're both bad guys if you want to be naive about it. But the bottom line is they just saved them. So even if it's a bad guy saving a bad guy, which is what they'll say in different contexts, why is he a Nazi if he's saving a Muslim country? It's really stupid. And their narrative falls apart the moment that you apply the smallest amount of logic to it. Now, let's just be radically objective. Is it not still possible that it could? Of course it could be. But we need evidence. And you know where there's an endless waterfall of evidence coming from the neo-Nazi groups that will scream, we are neo-Nazis and we want to kill these people if you listen to what they're telling you. It's ridiculous. Now, the next, oh, oh, the last point was how this is happening. This person shared, it looks like somebody from The Intercept. Every single House Democrat voted last night to pass the Domestic Terrorism Prevention Act. This was the 19th which would authorize the DHS, the DOJ, and the FBI to take steps to prevent domestic terrorism. Here's the act. We've already read this to you. <clears throat> this was put forward, uh, where was it? April 5th. Once again, just to see this, it's important. The bill establishes new requirements to expand the availability of information on domestic terrorism, as well as the relationship between domestic terrorism and hate crimes, which this, this, isn't, this isn't necessary. Even, I mean, even the idea of domestic terrorism, guys, if it's a crime... You're already able to be put in prison and charged for this stuff. Why do we need a focused entity to make new laws about specific domestic terrorism? The, like, I understand un, like the logical understanding of the, like, the, what drove people to take their actions. But why you need to dig into it and make an entire category of specific crimes within already crimes because we decide those are, it's just, it's political. We have to admit that. The point they make all the time is about the lynching discussion. Even Biden's brought that up since he's been in office. Everything about lynching is already illegal. You don't need to make a law that literally says lynching is illegal because it's already there. It's all about giving a nod to a racial discussion in regard to politics. I'm not saying it's good to do that. That would be a dumb thing to assume. It's a crime already. People are already being held accountable if they kill anybody, no matter how they do it, or if they attempt to, or if they harm somebody, no matter how they do it. It's already still a crime. You might be able to argue that doing so in a specifically violent and hate-filled way should mean more, but you see, this comes down to your perception, your intentions. In fact, the law, you know, the whole blind lady lady justice concept should be that way. It shouldn't be more, more bad or more negative because it's personal or that shouldn't play a factor. It should be a crime or not, and it should be the same under the law. You know, all these lies we tell ourselves about how we believe our altruistic government works. But it authorizes domestic terrorism components within the, 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 the Department of Homeland Security, the DOJ, and the FBI to monitor, analyze, investigate, and prosecute domestic terrorism. Now, that's the overlap where they're going to work together, including white supremacist-related incidents or attempted incidents. Now, here's my point. They're going to jointly report on domestic terrorism. That should have been period, right? Because they're the ones that can't stop yelling about how white supremacists and everything else. Well, obviously, that's in the category of domestic terrorism. Whether you believe it or not, that's what they have already said a hundred thousand times. So why then, if you're going to say report on domestic terrorism, which under that is that topic, then you go comma, including this thing that's already assumed to be in that category. It's because they, that's all this is about. The entire thing, the entire act, in my opinion, is about including these words. That's it. That's the focus. It's not about other things, about focusing on white supremacy and attempted incidents that they say are related to that ideology. So it's not just domestic terrorism. It's about the thing they want to focus on. Then it says it creates an interagency task force to analyze and combat specifically. They even make another line to focus just on this. Combat white supremacist and neo-Nazi infiltration of the uniformed services and federal law enforcement. This is a 
quiet nod to what they're going to use to lay at the feet of what they claim is the MAGA, white supremacist, Trump, everything. That's what that is. They've already made this claim. That's why I'm saying that. It's not my opinion. They've come out openly and said the military is overrun by MAGA and Q and Trump and whatever else, which may even be true. But you cannot then say because of that that they're white supremacist or neo-Nazi because that's just simply not true. Now, some could be, probably are, because that's just the reality of the world. Anybody, anywhere, you can take a huge swath of the population anywhere, and you're probably going to find people that have some extremist ideologies. That's just the way of the world. It's called being able to think what you want. And we're allowed to say, well, you're gross. The moment he acts on it, hurts somebody, well, then it's a crime. Then you can do something. You don't need an entire agency focused on that one thing that you want to call a certain thing just to make an act. But that, guys, is the whole point right there. This is building the foundation for the agenda we've been laying out for you from the beginning of this. Now, it says that's the whole vanilla ISIS ploy. It directs the FBI to assign a special agent or hate crimes liaison to each field office to investigate specifically hate crimes with a nexus to domestic terrorism. Okay, so again, all you had to do was end after domestic terrorism because that's already under it. Now, the point here that they made in this is that, oh, it was right here. They already voted on this in the House. It's going to go to the Senate, but you can see that there are only three Republicans. So there are some, but 204 Democrats voting on this and approve and, and voting for this, which I don't believe in the partisan breakdown here, but it matters because you can see at least in this that there's more one than the other. Now, on that note, guys, think about this interesting meme I found. Somebody sent me. The, the, the hypocritical nature of this. This person says, reminder, Jesse Smollett is a free man right now. Now, the Alec Baldwin's not the best example, but it doesn't apply. Alec Baldwin is a free man. Hunter Biden is a free man. The grandmother who took a selfie at the Capitol is in jail right now without bail. The how in the world does that even make sense? Because there's more political pressure on the idea of whatever they want to pretend January 6th was because it's linked to this agenda. So that has to be taken. Jesse Smollett, very guilty. Everyone knows that. Nothing. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? It's because politics, guys. And this whole thing is building. Now, last two points on Ukraine. Zelensky predicts a global food crisis if Ukraine can't free its ports. Oh, my God. And it's kind of a stupid thing to predict the thing that everyone else has already said is about to happen. This guy's the dumbest person on the planet. I have to say that. he Everything he says is unnecessary. He follows up his own statements with things that don't even make sense. Or he says things like this way after that conversation has been had a thousand times. Oh, good prediction, man. You're predicting what they told you to think is going to happen. But here's my point. It can't free its ports because you guys mind it. And this is the childish nature of this debate. And this is India, but you can find this anywhere. India Today, it's very, it's, they said this themselves. Sort of like when they admitted that they buried bodies in mass graves. And then a week later, the Wall Street Journal or the Washington Post came out and said, they buried, Ma Ma Russia buried people in mass graves and it's a poor crime. And I mean, it's the same place, same location. And I'm literally pointing at the other article from other mainstream that says we buried them. And that was a direct quote. It just doesn't even matter. As part of the military strategy to avoid Russian naval invasion, the entire seawater was mined. Now it'll take a long time to even make the port functional because the entire place has been mined from the Sea of Azov all the way to the city of Odessa. Since we started demining operations, this is Russia speaking, in the city of Mariupol, we have extracted up to 10,000 sea mines and other explosives so far. It's not just Russia. There's plenty of others that have acknowledged that's the reality. So why doesn't that get spoken about, even mentioned by the corporate media? Because it's not about the facts, which you guys know. So that was a little longer than I wanted, but unfortunately, I had to get all that in there because, again, as you know, I might not see a couple shows in the near future here. But so I want to go through small monkeypox to kind of finish this out. And if I have time, I'll jump into some COVID points and world treaty stuff at the end. But it says, or so I want to go through the timing. 
Okay, so starting back, and this is 2002, and kind of trying to step through this chronologically, okay, and showing you in my mind that I think it's very obvious, at the very least, that it's fair to ask the question whether or not this is, as my title kind of laid out, whether this is an illusion entirely, something that was created or an accidental release that they're covering up. All these are possible. Or, some, or that when I say accident, or like a cover-up, that applies to the idea that, and this is seemingly the most logical, that whatever they've done in the past, or even specifically in the COVID-19 injections, has caused what they're now naming this. I, I'm not saying that's for sure, but these are very valid points that are the scientific research, you know, because we're anti-science, of course, very clearly points to the direction that there's a possibility that's what happened. I'll let you decide for yourself. See, that's why they censor us, because they can't stand that. They want me to come out and go, it's a false flag! You're all being you know, just absolute, I know everything, and that's what they want because they don't censor that stuff. But 2002, January 12th, WHO dissenter warns against plans to retain smallpox virus. Now, by the way, a huge shout out to everybody in this community, every one of you. I've got basically, I mean, you guys, as you guys know, I've been very distracted. And I, every, almost every single thing I'm going to go through in this has been sent to me by people who saw something they thought was relevant and they sent it to me. Now, I mean, I wish I had the time to give everybody shout outs. And, and unfortunately, I didn't even have time to barely get this together today. But I just want to, I want you guys to know that you in this community are the last American vagabond. I mean, that's all, all of this stuff is something you found that you thought was relevant and you're right. Keep that going. Now, WHO dissenter warns against plans to retain smallpox virus. So 2002, this is a WHO individual who is now, who is, I think, no longer with them, is now speaking out, or was then speaking out, saying we should not allow them to keep smallpox. Don't forget that discussion we just had about the, oops, we found smallpox in this weird area. We don't know why. That seemed like a cover-up to me. This, at 2002, they said it was, it was eradicated, right? And we should get rid of it. But they petitioned to keep it. Why is that? Of course, for vaccines and safety. Well, look at where we are. A leading expert on biological warfare. <clears throat> so not an anti-science conspiracy theorist, but a leading expert that works at WHO. That then the moment he says this becomes a debunked anti-science conspiracy theorist, because that's how easy that is. A leading expert on biological warfare is infuriated by the latest recommendations from the WHO, calling for stocks of smallpox virus to be kept beyond the 2002 date they were supposed to be destroyed, <clears throat> despite earlier plans to destroy them by the end of that year. K. Uh, Kalyan Banjari, a dissenting member of the WHO's ad hoc committee on orthopox viruses, is concerned. Uh, I believe that in uh, includes all of those. Yeah, so that's kind of like the the wheelhouse of human, the animal pox, cowpox, smallpox, monkeypox, small all of them. That's all uh, uh, the orthopox viruses in that category. Is concerned that the committee. So she's an expert on that. First of all. Concern the committee's recent decision to allow continuing research using the live variola virus, which is the name of that, may enable the U.S. military to develop a smallpox weapon. That is a member of the WHO expert on this topic in 2002, one year after the beginning of the security state, or rather the, imp in, the imposition of it, telling you that there were, she's worried, or it was she yeah, is worried. I guess I shouldn't assume I've just learned that lesson, but the person shouldn't worry or th that we should worry that they're going to make a weapon with it. I mean, I'm not saying the person could be wrong, but it's incredible that we have this kind of stuff on the record and we don't, we only point at the bad guys over there when all the evidence of the world seems to suggest not that nobody else is doing it, but that the leader in this field is exactly who you're staring at. In this case, the U S government, but it says the proposals follow closely on the heels of the U S is unilateral decision, unilateral of their own accord. Bucking the world system 
to retain indefinitely under its control the remaining smallpox virus stocks that were previously entrusted to it and, of course, to a Russian laboratory by various countries in line with WHO's recommendations. <clears throat> That's an interesting point. Somebody else made this, made this point that basically, and here's another study just so you can see it. This one is from 2009. All, all the point is in the study is to point out that although naturally occurring smallpox was eradicated, they say all the time, even though it doesn't seem to be the case, official stocks of the viruses still remain in two locations. One of them was the CDC in, in Atlanta, Georgia. The other was the, a research place in, in Russia, the State Research Center of Virology in Novosibirsk. I'm terrible at those, in Russia. This is in addition to waning immunity against smallpox within the human population has led to concerns that virus might be used as a bioweapon, even in this study, by the way. <clears throat> now, it's interesting that the only two groups that seem to be at least on record having this is the U.S. government and Russia. So maybe that's why they pumped that fake story out to be like, weird, we found this vial that we all know you still have. And now when the last person on the narrative is the ha who might have this is Russia, well, that seems pretty convenient. Now, well, I'm not going to get too far ahead of myself here, but if they jump ahead of this and be like, Russia did this, well, seems a little interesting that that's how this went down. Now, it doesn't say it couldn't be possible. Of course it is. They have it. But I wouldn't trust the first person to grab the microphone, just like we saw with Trump and COVID. They, don't, they didn't know what was happening, but they sure as hell jumped out and said, oh, China did everything. And we now see very clearly that's not what happened. The truth being really, in my opinion, is that China and the U.S. are much more involved with whatever is happening than we can see. The whole narrative they spun out seems completely fabricated to me. Not that it's not, you know, lab, whatever. There's, all this stuff has roots and truth. But the narrative they spun about the Wuhan lab and how they accidental and all that, it's just, an, it's seemingly the narrative they wanted spun. Going back to this. So Russia being the only other place, just keep that in mind. It also follows an announcement by the U.S. in November after the September 11th attacks that Acumbus, with support from its subcontractor Baxter International, the companies, had been awarded a $428 million contract to produce 155 million doses of smallpox vaccine by the end of 2002. Remember, we talked about this. Whitney and I talked about this. The whole anthrax scare, but the smallpox was in that whole discussion as well. This would bring the total number of vaccine doses in the U.S. stockpile, again, this is 2002, to 286 million, enough to protect every American citizen. Dr. Banjari, a member of India's National Security Advisory Board, so another person, fears as well as the other individual, the expert from WHO, that the U.S. might be gearing up to develop and refine a smallpox as a weapon. You know why this is so openly being stated this time? Because they do this. The history is clear. We've been so aggressively propagandized from 2001 forward that it's almost like this doesn't even exist anymore in the minds of the people in the mainstream. But they do do this, and they have done this. And it says, rather than just carrying out further research, which is exactly what gain-of-function research is. Weapons. Quote, every attempt has been made. And don't, don't forget, guys, that even on the record, their gain of function research went right up to 2000, was it 14, 17? Um, I'm completing those dates in my mind. In any case, it went on for a long time and then still carried on after that. They just lied about it. Off, outsourced it to Wuhan in some cases as well. Every attempt has been made to establish the necessity of having live variola virus for vaccine development, he said. But the thing is that as the Russians had weaponized the smallpox virus, so shall the USA. Research is only a camouflage. Now, that, of course, is the there. Again, I'm not putting it past any government. I have no doubt that Russia's doing the same thing, even if it's because they think they do it. So we'll have to do it. It's the same reason, same point. But my point is that that's just their narrative. So take that with a grain of salt. The Russians weaponized the virus in a crude way and got caught. The U.S. will do it under the rubber stamp of the WHO. Look at how relevant that is right this moment. Where do we see this going?
Okay, Th these are experts speaking out. Dr. Banjari said, quote, the people of the world and the WHO worked hard to eradicate smallpox, only to leave the most potent bioweapon in the hands of the two custodial powers. Russia and the United States. Shall the people of the world eradicate these viruses only to give the superpowers additional and indefinitely potent weapons? Right. Think about this, guys. It doesn't have to be Russia good, U.S. bad, or vice versa. They're both bad guys. Both these governments are making bioweapons, whatever their justification is. And her point is, like, why are we allowing these, these world powers to that shouldn't be the bottom line is if we're going to do something like this as a, as a world and say these things should be eradicated, there should be no damn loopholes. And that's what happened. And here we are today. Dr. Banjari contends that research does not need the live variole virus and that there's no justification for returning, retaining the whole stock of a large number of these strains. In either place, he argues, he said that it again, that both stocks must be destroyed by the end of 2002, which they weren't. But they don't even need it, and they claim they did. So they're lying to you right there. But we should not allow this to continue. Now, think uh, the bottom line is that I think what we're talking about today, I mean, there's no logical scientific understanding other than a crazy one in a zillion possibility that this just randomly mutated out of nowhere after all this time to do the one thing they need to make human transmission which is incredibly difficult and common very rare when every i just I showed you the sky news article last time and i'll show you the rest of them saying the same thing it's it the the up until this moment it's been wildly improbable that it would even happen now it's like well it's everywhere well why exactly well any investigator or honest researcher would note, at least in, in the many different correlations, but what's the most obvious? What's the big change historically and for the species that we've never done before? Well, gee, the administration of a worldwide genetic altering injection. But no, we can't even talk about that possibility, that it could have created the possibility. I mean, how about this? How about we just put aside the idea that it was created or done on purpose, or even the idea that it was some... Just the fact that giving something like this has unintended consequences, and even they admit that. So is it not possible that this caused something that's now being called that or simply led to exactly monkeypox in some abstract way? You know that's possible. Or even just lowering the immune system to such a degree that these people are wildly susceptible to things they never would have caught before. All of these are possible. They know this. Now, here's a couple more points. We go forward before we get to today, which is the important part of what they're saying right now. But realize before this, this was a non-event. A non As I'll say in a moment, the 2003 example, which is right here, in July 2003, there were 71 cases of monkeypox reported. So we're told anyway. Not a single death. Not one. So what, what, are we, what is everyone scared about? The narrative is this is a very small problem, that it's usually mild. Nobody died at this time. So the difference is, well, now everything's changed. Well, why exactly? Why is nobody caring to look at what might have changed this. Well, here's an interesting pop-up in 2017. How Canadian researchers reconstituted an extinct pox virus for $100,000 using mail-order DNA. Sounds really safe, right? But the point is that this is exactly what the WHO person was saying. Why are we allowing this to continue to be around? Well, for research, of course, just like this. A study that brought horse pox back to life. Now, obviously, not the same as monkey pox, or so we're told anyway, but a lot of people are arguing these are the same thing. I'm not talking just average guys on Twitter. I'm talking about scientists, doctors saying that more so scientists, that this is arguably more of a misunderstanding of the same thing. But they brought back horsepox to life and it's triggering a new debate about the risks and power of scientific bio synthetic biology. Yeah, the debate that went nowhere and it wasn't really happening. We just say that so it sounds like we're concerned. 
Then it went exponentially fast right in that same direction. But this is alarming for a lot of reasons. It's it's eradicating smallpox. One of the deadliest diseases in history took humanity decades and cost millions of dollars. Now, again, there's a whole story there for why that's not actually what happened, for why that didn't even really happen in general. There's a lot of different things to include in that conversation, but I'm not going to dive into it now in this moment, but I've made it clear before. I mean, just like the point about these are how the administration of the injection did not, like the argument goes that these things were already declining and the injections given caused them to spike, but then continue to go back down and they go, success. Weirdly, exactly what happened with COVID-19. But it says that's one conclusion. Oh, wait, no, it, uh, it says, one of the deadliest diseases in history, they say, took humanity decades and cost billions. Bringing the scourge back would probably take a small scientific team with little specialized knowledge, half a year, and cost about $100,000. The argument here is to be like, anybody can do it, and dangerous Iran bad guys or the Russia, and they're going to make weapons, and that's the point. So, But are they? Well, we can, we're, we're watching you do it right now, so let's consider. Like, we're making these dangerous things to prove they can do it. Well, okay, that's interesting. That's one conclusion. From an unusual and as yet unpublished experiment performed last year, 2017, or 16 in this case, by Canadian researchers, a group led by virologist David Evans of the University of Alberta in Edmonton, Canada. He says that he has synthesized the horsepox virus, a relative of smallpox, from genetic pieces ordered in the mail. Sounds great. Now, the point of showing you this, is that not something that could have happened? Could they not have created this problem? Let this out accidentally, sort of like how Fort Dietrich has on the record multiple times, one leak every three days for seven years straight. That's their number. Talking about Ebola on the bottom of someone's shoe. What wasn't Ebola? But things coming out of the bottom of someone's shoe. These are real stories, guys. That's disgusting. These are BSO4 labs with high-level things, including coronavirus. Not this one exactly, but I'm talking about Fort Dietrich. But in this case, is it not possible this created something? They reconstitute, they changed something? Of course it is. Years later, something happens, or maybe years later when people suddenly have an, a genetic alteration of their body that causes them to be wildly more susceptible to everything, then just like that, something happens. All hypothetical. But we should ask these questions. I think that was it on this one. Oh, in this case, by the way, we're seeing this happen. Somebody keeps pointing out monkeypox outbreak, but you'll find these images pretty much ubiquitously used for other things, horsepox, smallpox, whatever else, even though it says that on this. <clears throat> My point in this. If they're claiming what they're showing you is a specific thing like this, that this is monkeypox, and you find out the image, which you'll look up and find this, you know, claimed elsewhere as something else, that's relevant. But when you're pointing out that they're different dates and you like do the 10 eye look and you find that this is actually from 2016, that's not a, as big a point as a lot of people want to think it is. I, I, someone else yelled at me the other day for using an old image in Syria for something that there was a hypothetical conversation. They're like, you liar, that was from 2016. And I'm like, dude, it's a hypothetical conversation about what might happen in Syria. Am I supposed to make up? I mean, how do you have a picture of something like that? My point was that people in the news, the media, whether fake news or not, will use imagery. A lot of times they're just old images, stock images of this, the kind of idea that happens. Not that that isn't used manipulatively. Trust me, I know that they lie with that a lot, but a lot of these articles and these comparisons going, look, this one's from old 2016. They're caught. Like, well, it's still a picture of pox, and I think that's why they used it. Just to be honest about it, right? We got to be careful about how quick we jump down these holes, but nonetheless, it's important to see that they're manipulating. Now, 2012. Now, this is an important one. Whitney shared this with me. This is something, this is the next one is is a research publication, a study done by Dr. McCullough in regard to COVID 19. Now, first of all, 2012, in vitro. Inhibition of monkeypox virus production and spread by interferon B. 
meaning that interferon B plays a role in stopping the production and spread of monkeypox. Interesting, right? I think I, no, I think that was basically it. You, it's that you can read the study for yourself if you always should. The point was that this is just the idea that interferon B has this effect. The study finds. <clears throat> now, the next part is a study that released in June of this year. Oh, wait, that's interesting. June 2022. How's that even possible? That's strange. I don't know. Maybe they're, oh, you know what? I think it's published as April 2022. What is this one pertaining to? That's interesting. In any case, this year, okay? Now it says, and this is the same thing, National Library of Medicine, PubMed Central. He, he writes, and you can see Dr. McColl's name right there. They write, in this paper, we present evidence that vaccination, COVID vaccination, induces a profound impairment in type 1 interferon signaling, which has diverse adver adverse consequences to human health. So the connection here, the possible connection, or the obvious connection, but the possible cause of something, is that they gave people on a mass scale around the world injections, as they're showing you here, had profound impairment on specifically type 1 interferon signaling. Okay, This is telling you in this older study that monkeypox specifically was in it was inhibited it, there was inhibition of the spread and production because of interferon b now interferon type one is what we're talking about but you list down here that one of them is specifically interferon type b the, the, the type one is there's a lot of type one interferons one of which is interferon b okay as i understand it i went through this today now my point is that interferon specifically inhibiting monkeypox and they're giving people in 2012 and in 2022, up till then, and still, they're giving people shots that seem to remove that. Oh, here is just interferon B. My point was it says 1B, just to see that it is it is a type 1. And this and this was just beta, I guess, was what it stood for. The point is, guys, is that not possible that they gave you all these shots that then removed the very thing that then made people suddenly susceptible to something they never were before? Yes. That's, and think about all of these points I'm making as one part of a multifaceted discussion. This included with the last part, right? Included with the idea that they were studying on this and maybe did something. And the idea being that this is an obvious point, great find by Whitney, or at least example of how this could have created the perfect storm to allow this random thing to start happening that wasn't happening until this started. Think about that. Here's another study. This one is from 2021, November. Thank you to Truth Seeker for sharing this. Bellus, uh, what is it, pephagoid, it's an interesting word, and COVID-19 vaccine. What a surprise. Monkeypox, or something very like it, is an adverse event and complaint further to mRNA Pfizer vaccination. How interesting is that? November 26, 2021. Here's what it says. Bellus flemagoid, here, let me do this, actually. I forgot to do this. It shows the pictures there, but I want to give you like a broad search for it. Okay, see that? Look at this. This is the same image we're seeing people use for monkeypox. Similar thing, right? Okay. Sorry, I'd have to show you gross pictures, but okay, going back to the study, here is what it says. We'll just call it BP because that's the acronym they're using. BP, Bellus femigoid, is an autoimmune skin disease characterized by the appearance of tense blisters. But what else out there is causing this rapid explosion of autoimmune diseases? COVID-19 injections. Well, they're admitting it, but it's very, very super crazy, outstandingly rare. It's not, though. The point is it's all over the place. And we've already seen this happen. Even with a, with a VADES discussion, 
Now it's literally causing autoimmune disease. This is what is happening. There's been numerous peer-reviewed studies that have found exactly that. And if we're pointing at that and saying it's causing these blisters, could that not be misconstrued as monkeypox? Of course it could with everything else we're talking about. But it says lesions had appeared three days after she received specifically the community vaccine. So at the very least, they're claiming it was the one that's approved, or this is just a study saying that because they pretend everything they're using is approved, but we know it's not the case. But whatever, either way, we're talking about Pfizer. It says, however, 21 days later, she experienced a significant reactivation after receiving the second dose of the injection. What a weird connection. It's almost like it's causing the problem. It's amazing what people will dismiss. A physical examination then revealed tense blisters over in, uh, what was this? The superficial reddening of the skin, usually in patches, after uh, over in a red base on her face, I guess, trunk and limbs. So all over her body, a skin biopsy confirmed the diagnosis of BP, the Bellus Femigoid. So again, just a hypothetical point for you to consider for yourself. Is that not a possibility? Thank you, Truth Seek, for pointing this out. So very clearly on the record, the COVID-19 injection is possibly causing, or is causing, but can possibly cause for other people, Something that will be, can be diagnosed as something else. And guess what you need to do to make that happen, guys? Well, you know the answer. The PCR tests. Perfect. Look, they've got blisters. Give them a PCR test. Oh, positive. Well, there's a lot of false positives. Will they go back? Nah, monkeypox. Give them a vaccine. The same thing we're seeing with COVID-19, guys, for crying out loud. Which, by the way, is also coming back quietly behind, alongside monkeypox. And they're only pointing at one. It's quite incredible. Great find. Here's another interesting point. Somebody shared this with me, getting my point for how amazing our community is. Look what this says. What COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca contains. Turns out, hey, and don't forget, by the way, speaking of the autoimmune, hold on, before I go back, I want to make sure that connection is there. So we're pointing at something here that is an autoimmune skin disease that creates blisters that look just like what we're talking about and which we know would be called monkeypox in the world we have today and the broken nature of our medical and health system, okay? So over here, when we're talking about VADES, and remember that was talked about the adenovirus vaccines and how we knew historically before this that specifically the adenovirus vaccines were, there was a risk of specifically causing HIV. We covered this in our previous discussions. There's a lot of reasons for that. I'm not going to dive deeply into that right now, but remember that there's an HIV-specific connection to these adenovirus vaccines. And on top of that, you can see in the contain what it contains, it says recombinant replication-deficient chimpanzee adenovirus. Okay, so now if we if we're we know that these the injections can literally, we're talking about Pfizer, of course, but we know these injections can literally cause an autoimmune disease that looks just like it. And on the other side of it, we have another, but adenovirus version of the COVID injections that literally have chimpanzee uh, virus in them, replication deficient chimpanzee adenovirus. It's very interesting how all of this can potentially converge with exactly, again, whether or not it's actually monkeypox. And this person just puts this here. Is that what we're talking about? It's a valid question. At the very least, everything else aside, could that not just lead to what we're talking about? Maybe something that is monkeypox, something that might look like that, or another autoimmune disease that could be causing something that looks like it? None of these questions will be asked by your amazing, truthful, altruistic health entities because they don't care. I'm being facetious, obviously, because I don't think that's what they are. Why wouldn't they ask these questions? So here is what's inside the AstraZeneca vaccine to make sure you see this and it's not some kind of screenshot clip. 
AstraZeneca vaccine suspension for injection. Okay. Like that's what, you know, the, 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 the liquid vaccine recombinant. Okay. So here's what it says. One dose contains chimpanzee adenovirus, including the SARS-CoV-2 spike glycoprotein. So not only are you putting chimpanzee virus, you're using chimpanzee virus that's encoded with the spike protein. Remember the spike protein itself can spread, can shed, can literally by itself cause disease, according to the Salk Institute and plenty of other peer-reviewed science. Okay. So what might that do? And then when that goes, are we still dealing with COVID-19? I don't even think we're dealing with COVID-19 in general, but after the spike protein sheds from somebody, is that even? Now we take it one step further. Now you're using a chimpanzee virus to create the spike protein. And by the way, it says not less than 2.5 times 10 to the 8th power infectious units. These are not the same kind of things we're talking about, the mRNA. So the bottom line is this could very clearly have a side effect that we don't want to talk about, that we're now calling something else. And again, it just says it down here, mechanism of action. COVID-19 vaccine AstraZeneca is a monovalent vaccine composed of a single recombinant replication deficient chimpanzee adenovirus, meaning that it won't replicate. Yeah, but they could be wrong as they have been a thousand times, or they could say that's the case and it might not be true, or they could think that's the case and might've failed at trying to do that. Any of those are possible. All of them have happened just in COVID-19 world. Okay, so why we would pretend that's the case or assume that they're right is beyond me. But it says vector encoding the S glycoprotein of SARS-CoV-2, specifically spike. The SARS-CoV-2 spike immunogen in the vaccine is expressed in the trimeric prefusion confirmation. Remember, we're talking about the idea of the spike protein being kept in this closed fashion. The coding sequence has not been modified in order to stabilize the expressed S protein in the prefusion confirmation. Well, that's interesting. All of this seems to point in the obvious direction to me that this thing is not safe based on everything we know about. And by the way, that's why they very clearly pointed at this one and Johnson and Johnson as the one that are the ones with the problems, even though the X, the, the, like four times the amount of reports are in Bayer's about Pfizer and Moderna, the mRNA ones, which they're trying to protect for obvious reasons. This could have just been the, the under the outliers that they put out there to cause problems. Then they got dealt with by the other ones. I don't know. Bottom line is guys, that's crazy. That's alarming. And it very clearly opens the door to questions about what might this have caused. Then Taylor makes a great point. Recent literature suggests monkeypox changing epidemi epidemiology makes it a threat to humans. Okay. So this is a really important transition. Because, and here's her point, guys. This study she's pointing at was put out February 11th. Look at that. A little more than a month before this all started. Isn't that interesting? Weird how we're, and now people who don't want to hear this is what we think it is are going to go, well, obviously, because they were researching it and suddenly they go, oh, no, it's going to be a problem. And then look at that. It became a problem. It's because they found out that it would be, right? Or you can stand back as a objective concerned citizen and go, well, why were they even looking into monkeypox right then? Right? We've had cases in the past. It's not very dangerous. There's no reason to think it's going to be more dangerous. But yet they conduct an entire study about the focal point of whether or not it could be a potential threat. Why? Are they doing things on other non-problematic things? Are they going to do an entire study about whether the cold could become a threat? It doesn't make sense, does it? Unless there's something that they saw coming and weren't telling you about. Here's what she says. Quote, our review, and this is you'll see, this is right in the study. It's right here for you to check out. I'm just going to read her comments on it. Our review shows an escalation of monkeypox cases. So this is my point. After the review, these findings may be related to the cessation of smallpox facts, meaning you stop taking your smallpox back, which I thought was supposed to give you antibodies that you were then immune to it. Nope. 
that is, that's not how they make these things anymore. You don't get things that stop them. You just get things that make you have to take it every, every six months. But because you stopped taking the things that you shouldn't need to take over and over, now it's coming back. I guess we have to trust them on that. But guess what, though? The study was fully funded by the Bavarian Nordic, which is literally making a monkeypox vaccine. You know, that's when you get the statement. You can't make this stuff up, right? But clearly you can. <laughs> My God. At the very least, you should say conflict of interest. By the way, I bet you they don't even have it listed down here. Well, it's the, the, the truncated version, but they, you know, the conflicts of interest page. I wonder if they have it listed down there. But a person that is selling monkeypox vaccines decided randomly to do a study before this was a problem to, to look into whether it could be. That's pretty interesting. Now let's jump forward to where we are right now. This was 12 hours ago, USA Today. Biden on monkeypox. Quote, everybody should be concerned because spread will be consensual. Very weird choice of word. He says, pre says, President Joe Biden on Sunday said an outbreak of the rare disease monkeypox is a concern because, quote, if it were to spread, it's consensual. Now, that, the word has different meanings, but of course, it usually brings to mind the idea of consensual sex. So it's interesting that he said that. Maybe he's confused. Maybe he's thinking about his old past, you know, problems that he's had with people in the world. But who knows? The bottom line is, that's a weird thing to say. As if it wouldn't be consensual, like we're talking about forced spread. Uh, it's a weird thing to say. But anyway, the point is, be scared, right? You see, this is his next statement. Quote, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet. Okay, but it's something that everybody should be concerned about. What? So Biden's literally going, we should be scared, but I don't know what's going on. That's the, that is the common thread. That's like the WHO called them out for before they pushed those people out of the field. We should not be working on worst case scenarios, but measured response. That's all they do these days. Who knows what's happening, but be scared because it could be crazy. Everybody could die. We don't know. Well, yeah, then don't even say anything then. Why are you putting fear in people's minds? Well, you know why. Because it's not about the data. Jake Sullivan, Biden's national, national security advisor, later told reporters after Biden said, we don't know, that they have vaccines available to be deployed. Interesting that Biden wouldn't know that, right? Nearly a dozen countries are investigating atypical outbreaks of monkeypox, which means not normal. Weird how nobody wants to look into why that's even happening, right? We're treating this like another COVID-19. My hair's on fire. We don't know. We can't just jump into research. We have to make sure we stop it now. Okay, well, shouldn't we care? Wouldn't it matter if it is or is not monkeypox? Wouldn't it matter if it changed or came from a weapon? Of course it would matter because it would change your actions. But no, it's not about that. This is about compliance, getting you to wear a mask, quarantining people, and making sure you take your injections like a good boy. Now it says, the disease that comes from the same family of viruses as smallpox, and guess what is typically found in West... Oh, this part was the... Uh, no, it's down here. Anyway, was found in West Africa. It says, the U.S. has recorded two cases. We have now two cases, they say. Tested by PCR tests, so it's probably not true. In Massachusetts and the New York City. Then it says... Human-to-human -human transmission is usually considered uncommon. What does that mean, usually considered? You're using two different things to undermine that statement. <laughs> How about the fact that it is it, uh, it's uncommon? Today seems different. Not usually considered uncommon. It is uncommon. That's the statement. But they want you to wonder, well, I don't know. Is today be different? Should I be scared? Oh, so, did I read that wrong? Thank you, guys. Somebody pointed out I read that word wrong. Hold on. Oh, it's right here. Oh, consequential. I'm sorry. Thank you. Thank you for saving that for me. I hate when I make those kind of mistakes. I, I just thought that was a funny side point, but to be honest, but I'm glad you corrected that. This is the point about making small mistakes, especially when it's not 
something that's like the center point of the arrest. I didn't research that statement, right? Because it's not the point. But thank you for, for correcting me on that. Consequential changes everything. It definitely does. But it was still funny to make a joke about Biden using the word consensual. So let's continue. <laughs> it goes down to say those at the highest risk are people who closely interact with someone infected with the generally mild disease. <laughs> so generally mild, not very dangerous, usually doesn't spread. I mean, why in the world is this even the thing that we're concerned about right now? Like, and why suddenly did it explode everywhere? And why suddenly are they the ones saying that it's now more dangerous? We are running on hypotheticals and worst case scenarios. We need to see that. Just like happened with COVID and look how that turned out. A vaccine developed against smallpox has been approved for monkeypox. Approved. And several antivirals have appeared to be, to be effective. But according to the CDC, this is not a joke. After just saying it was approved, according to the CDC, there is no proven safe treatment for monkeypox. How do you want to explain that to me? The illness usually lasts several weeks and can be fatal. Well, so can the flu, right? The point is they want you to be scared. The real point should be, it's historically not dangerous. You're not probably not going to, but nope, they want to focus on the fatal. Last word, fatal. But here's the CDC. And this is right now. Currently, there is no proven safe treatment for monkeypox. So explain for me how it's even legally possible to have an approved injection for something that they have not proven is even safe or effective. Well, I mean, I, you can give them the safe, which I don't agree with. because I, I could go an entire discussion about what the smallpox injections have done to people. And I, I, I think I have small points about that in here. But if you don't know that it's safe. Well, I mean, that's what it says right there. No, no, it's so it's right there. No proven safe treatment. So they don't know if it's effective. They don't know if it's safe. But let's go ahead and approve that because danger, right? Emergency. Well, shouldn't that be emergency authorization? Nothing means anything and everything means nothing, guys. They are well past caring about what you think about the reality of this stuff. We're in the biosecurity state with the WHO calling the shots. So at this point, when they just start telling you, take this monkeypox thing because it's not even proven to be safe, but you're dangerous for not doing it. It's just like COVID-19. Now, I made, I'm not trying to jump the gun. These are statements being made. The moment this really kicks into action, I'll show you the quarantines and stuff. That's the first step. But let's take this one step at a time because we do not want to jump the gun here. But it, to me, I feel like this is already starting. Now, by the way, when they say it's approved and start giving this to people, and then a lot of people get hurt from it, who's at fault? Who's at fault? The CDC, uh, we said right there, it's on our website, it's not safe. So why is it even being handed out? Why are people on the news being told to go get it if it's not safe and we don't know if it's safe or effective? I should say it like that. I mean, this is as stupid as looking at the the COVID documentation and saying it says right there that we don't know if it's safe for pregnant women. Why is it being given to pregnant women? Why is it being recommended for pregnant women when their own documentation in February 2022 says we don't know if it's safe? Crickets. Not even from the independent media, guys. I don't even know anybody else making that point. The bottom line, I'm sure there are. I'm not... I'm distracted these days, but the bottom line is this is the same idea. People are being put at risk by the mention of this if we don't even know if it applies. On top of that, if we don't even know if this is monkeypox. Because the PCR test right now is what's being used as the definitive test to confirm cases of monkeypox. And what we're being told is monkeypox. You could literally test the wall and get half the time positive. If you're using a higher cycle threshold, that's what every scientist that did it has shown you. Dr. Scoglio, as often mentions, 
over 40 to 45, he get he says 95% false positive. That means you can literally test your water bottle and be like, oh, they've got monkeypox. It's incredible. We know this. This has been documented. They admit a much lower percentage, but nonetheless, a false positive rate. And yet we're using this still. This is the illusion continuing. As I said, so the PCR is once again the definitive test to confirm cases. The point is, they should should they choose, the illusion can begin. It's right. You can see all the stuff right there. Monkeypox diagnosis confirmed. Confirmed by PCR testing? They even said during COVID that it wasn't confirmed after a while. Remember, in the middle of it, they pulled back and said, well, we need to follow up with something else. It was just, this, here we are. They just like, we're, everything else that just happened is fake news. And some light reading for you all that I've referenced a hundred times since the beginning of COVID. Add one more. This demonstrates how they knew and know that PCR tests can lead to exactly this type of illusion. I believe that's why it was chosen. The quick faith in the test, the a quick, I don't know why I can't read this every time. Faith in quick tests leads to epidemic that wasn't. It was whooping cough, 2007, I believe. Went on for months. An entire place was shut down. Quarantines, vaccines were given. Not a single case was actually shown to be to be happening. But the PCR test was giving them positives all over the place. They spoke on the record then saying, we know this will happen again. And you know what? They were right. As I said here, as Rising Serpent points out, good question, right? How did monkeypox reach 12 different countries at the same exact time? But you know why? The magic of abusing PCR false positives. Because the moment that they said, this might be happening, everyone immediately said, PCR testing. And guess what? They all got what they looked for. Exactly like you might expect. Here's the article itself. 80 cases confirmed in 12 countries one day. Really? Pride Festival in Gran Canaria, which was attended by 80,000 people, is linked to Spanish monkeypox outbreak as well as two cases in Italy while the European total reaches 100. Now, to be clear, by the way, and I think, I mean, I, didn't, I shouldn't have to say this because what I said before I hope was very clear, especially talking about this might be, might, that could be something. I'm not trying to, to suggest that I know that there's not something happening. Everybody should, all, regardless of whether they're telling you something's happening, it's always a good idea to be safe as an individual, whatever you think that is. I would argue washing your hands, right? Being safe, you feel like you're sick, don't walk out in front of people. It should always be your choice, though. The idea of quarantines and masks and all this garbage is ridiculous, especially when the reality is that this is, we don't even know what's happening. And even whether or not they know what's happening, they don't have that right. They never did. So when we're pointing at this kind of stuff, I'm not saying that this is all fake news. I'm just saying that how, how do we know what's happening here? This could be PCR false positives. It could be something that their injections are causing. I mean, that could then that could be something real. That strike protein could be shedding. The bottom line is, though, they're shoving this in your face as monkeypox and this weird continual association with gay men or bisexual sex. Or rather, whatever, they, they, as it says right here, the UK Health Security Agency has said that a notable proportion of recent cases in Britain and Europe have been found in gay and bisexual men. Now, I do understand the blood discussion, but this doesn't seem to make sense with how they're now framing this discussion, right? The, what, what they're saying, it can spread by shaking hands, which I don't even think is true. But why would that make sense then to point to just them? It's very strange. More than 100 cases of monkeypox have now been reported across Europe. Who knows whether this can be verified or not? It's very frustrating how obvious this is jumping forward. I mean, I, I honestly don't think if I had to guess, I mean, this is my guessing, but I don't think this is a, a bioweapon or some kind of thing like that. Just based on the way this has gone forward, definitely could be. They're going to see that narrative as some kind of a foreign weapon attack. I feel that coming. But it seems more to me, if I had to guess right now, and it's limited information, 
if I had to guess, it seems more like an opportunistic grab of something possibly small that they blow out of proportion and then use the proven COVID illusion model to make it look like it's something bigger or something big that they're causing that they're framing as something else. In any case, I highly recommend the Danny Rancourt study where he lays out the facts about how it's possible. Should they want to fake something like this or COVID, it is easily done. And I'm not, I, I do not use the word easy lightly. They could very clearly fake something like this. So just consider that possibility. Now, going over to the things that they're doing, the, the, the obviously expected actions alongside of this, which are just exactly what the conspiracy theorists said would happen. Quarantines for the next thing, right? The next problem. But why are we all just on, running under the assumption now, or they acting like we are, that that's what's supposed to happen? Didn't we verifiably prove that quarantines don't do any good, that they hurt people, that they destroy economies, that they destroy your life, they destroy your rights? Whether or not you think it has an effect on viruses or illness, we've very clearly shown that the juice is not worth the squeeze, guys. It is destroying everything else for the cost of saying it does something here, which I still argue it does not. As they said in the very beginning, it's archaic and it is not what should be done. History and science has shown these are the wrong choices. And here we are again. Belgium now introduces a 21-day quarantine for all monkeypox cases. Isn't that interesting? 21 days is kind of interesting, isn't it? Correlates with the exact time frame of getting the injection and having immediate side effects, which happens predominantly within the first 21 days. Not saying that necessarily means anything. It's an interesting correlation, but that's the, this is happening. So you're being forced on quarantine now if they think you've got monkeypox. <clears throat> now, don't forget, guys, we just talked about this last time. I think it's lymphodenopathy is what they're saying is a is a one of the leading indications you might have monkeypox. Well, guess what else causes that? The injections you're giving you. I'm not making that up. The injections they're giving you under the guise of fighting monkeypox literally causes the thing that they then say could be an indication that you have monkeypox. That's pretty dumb. On top of that, we know that they say 10% of the time you may have the monkeypox problem, but not have the, the lymphodenopathy. So how much you want to bet that's what they call asymptomatic monkeypox, which is a ridiculous, nonsensical statement. But whatever. This is ridiculous, and it's all based on worst-case scenarios. And guess what, guys? Another virus, another mask. You mean the mask that literally still and never changed do not have a statistically significant effect on transmission of any kind? Yeah, that one. But guess what? doesn't matter what we all just fought and just argued and, and then people come out during it all and say, no, they don't work and they change their narrative and now it's like, well, masks again. Even cloth masks. Isn't that strange? Even cloth masks. Didn't we just go through this? Crazy. New Yorkers told to mask up again after local patient tests positive for same gen genus virus as monkeypox. Well, that seems a quite, what do you mean same genus? Is it monkeypox? Guys, this is crazy obvious how up in the air this all is. Same genus. Well, doesn't that mean, couldn't it mean horsepox? Wasn't that exactly what they tested on in Canada? Couldn't that be what we're talking about? Yes, but you won't hear this asked by the journalists and the mainstream media. CDC issues alert and WHO calls emergency meeting. We just talked about that. It's all building right now. COVID-19 cases spike in Sacramento County. But why wasn't a mask mandate reissued? That's strange, right? Here's May 19th. Okay, this is May 20th. Okay, so they go, COVID-19's coming back, which is, again, PCR nonsense, but or or um, I actually think much more right now, vaccine side effects being called COVID-19, but why would that not be the reason masks were mandated? I'm not saying we should. You know that. But isn't that strange? They have dropped the ball 
on COVID, and they are jumping in with both feet into the next narrative, just like they did with Ukraine, like that joke that you see circulating. Oh, I didn't know it was monkeypox season already. I still got my Ukraine decorations up. This is the joke they're spreading because it seems how ridiculous they can just jump on a dime. We're all going to die, except now Ukraine's in danger. Now we're going to die again. It's like, what's going on here? Whiplash, right? But if COVID was the biggest thing since sliced bread, and this comes back, they say, wouldn't that be the big mass focus? Well, probably not because they knew they were going to give it for monkeypox. I mean, facetious, but the point is that, oh, suddenly the thing we don't even know is dangerous. We don't know what's happening. We only have a few cases, but masks now. That just doesn't line up, guys. If masks were relevant, they would have brought back for COVID-19. The screaming is super dangerous. Not a couple of cases scattered around the world of something we don't even understand yet. Is they even they admit we don't fully understand. Isn't that weird? Well, here's Peter McCullough telling you. The most intensely compliant states are seeing the case count backfire. They reviewed on Ingram Angle, I think it's the name of the show. As the virus finds pockets of susceptible populations, only natural immunity provides a significant backstop against the binary URI occurrence and against severe outcomes. Now, what he points to here, how interesting it is. Top vaccinated states are also, shocking I know, top hospitalizations. Now, I've reported you this from the very beginning, from UK to Scotland to everywhere else, Canada. It's the reality. How in the world do you deny something like that? That's not to say, oh, because most of them are vaccinated. It's not what we're talking about. It's about the general states most vaccinated, and you also have those states as the top hospitalizations. That does not add up. You can't even spin the, the more vaccinated in the area. This is simply showing you that the people that are having more injections, and any, any way you categorize this out, are having more problems. It's just like the study that, that uh, James Lyons-Weidler did with somebody else, I believe, in regard to the vax versus unvaxxed child wellness visit study, which was undeniable. Exponentially more well visits than children going to the hospital in the first so many years of their life if they had injections. Nobody cared about that. It's undeniable. But here we are. Masks are a part of that, too. That was why I included it, because these are the places with the highest issues, and they just don't, and they're pushing it right back on you again. Here's just a funny part, masks, as we finish up here. This is Daily Wire just says, science! <laughs> Joe Biden arrives in South Korea wearing a mask as he exits the plane, by himself, of course. Then, once he approaches people, he takes it off. Because we know that's, that's how it's supposed to go, right? You wear it by yourself, and then when you're around people, you take it off. I mean, it's just dumb compliance, right? I mean, I, you could even argue that he wore it on the plane because he was in a plane and, you know, they say you're supposed to. But you know what? They still say you're supposed to wear it when you're shaking hands with somebody, which, by the way, he is doing. <laughs> it's all fake, guys. It's all ridiculous. If this, if they thought for one second that Biden was being susceptible as the president, they wouldn't, be, they wouldn't even playing games with this. It's just embarrassing. And that's why I said science. That's how stupid this is. Everybody sees this. By the way, even blue states. But as James E. Olson points out, when smallpox and monkeypox stocks are going up 70% like they did today, this was on the 20th, you can bet there's something going on behind the scenes. Looks like they are doing it to you again. Certainly possible. But here's the point. As cases rise, Americans are checked out on COVID-19. Well, I guess let's mix it up with monkeypox then, right? This was 20, this is uh, yesterday. Here's the point though. 
cases are on the rise. They say cases, by the way, because deaths are just bottomed out, right? Because cases, PCR, false positives. Remember that time in the middle when they shifted to death? Well, that's because the deaths they claimed were rising. So I thought cases were the point. It's all about what they can use to manipulate you. Now we're back to cases because deaths aren't there. Meh. Opportunists, you know. But it says the cases are rising based on false positives and Americans are overthinking about virus as a crisis. Well, aren't they the ones that decide this? Aren't they the ones that are supposed to be, aren't you the living embodiment of the will government? Nope, nope. They make the choice and you just have to deal with it. We're over here going, we're over this. They're like, we don't care. Right. Democracy, right? Even in blue cities. Here's the point. For Democrat states, restaurants are packed with people. The Hill reports. And many Americans in these blue states don't even wear masks anymore on the subway, airplanes. Biden just took his off. Amid this national attitude, it may be extremely difficult for local or national leaders to try to impose COVID restrictions. Yeah. How about you listen to what Americans want? Now, as I said when I shared this, guys, and just like that, the majority shows its face. Even the Democrat states are going, you know what, guys, I'm done with this. I don't care if it's because they got injections in their body. The point is, whether they got them or not, the government is still saying, do it. They're still saying you're in danger. They're still saying COVID. Now they're going monkeypox. These people are not, even the Democrat states are going, you know what? We're done with this. We're going to go to the restaurants without masks. We don't care. That's the majority. It's not a partisan thing as much as they desperately want you to see. When that, that administration of injections died at 50% and they had to threaten, coerce, attack, arrest to get you to do it and barely get that above 70%, that showed you everything. I even argued the 50% in the beginning was basically fear. People do not trust them because they're not trustworthy. And it's showing you right there. You are the majority, guys, and it's not a partisan thing. Now, I'm trying to think. I'm, I'm going to try to rattle these points off quickly here at the end. Here's, here's a couple COVID-19 parts to finish today. Great thread by Guy Jordan. This is more about the closed spike protein. That's what we were just talking about, right? The closed spike protein, the way they essentially keep it like in a closed state, they say. So it shouldn't do the thing that we all see and know that it is doing. <laughs> so either they're wrong or they're incorrect or they're lying or they're wrong about it. I have some links to, he says, including the interview with a developer who made the closed spike protein. He says here, this is an old thread with the two links that contain the most information proving that claims like the shot stays in your arm and spike protein always is displayed on the cells and doesn't enter bloodstream were lies. And we know that we've gone over it on the show. I'm going to point that in a second. Here's a great study. Finally, viral spike proteins of SARS-CoV-2 found in the urine after vaccination. But it says the immunity people get, this is the point, and I love this is a point, and I'll show you the thread. The immunity people are getting is to the mutated spike protein of the injection, not the spike protein of the actual virus, if that's what you think is happening, right? Because they're giving you something that I've said many times is based on a genetic sequence from a computer that was given to them in two days after China sent it. Then they admit they didn't isolate it. Now you could argue they did after that. But nonetheless, the point is in all their literature, they say that started the race. A week later, they were already producing a shot. And weeks after that, they were putting it in people's arms. To pretend that it would later got isolated and that changed what they were doing is ridiculous. They ne when, at the very least, when they started making this and testing this, they hadn't isolated this thing. And I still believe that hasn't happened because I don't even believe that's what we're talking about. But the point is that if you are talking about this injection they made, and that was based on mod RNA, right? The mod RNA that's delivering the instruction to produce this modified mutated spike protein. That's not the same thing we're even talking about. Then you talk about the mutations and the variants and how it's changed multiple times. And then they're still giving this first thing. 
This is hurting people. It was hurting people in the beginning. Now you're adding antibody-dependent enhancement and molecular, molecular mimicry, pathogenic priming, and all these different problems that that causes. Here's the threat. The immune target being used is the spike protein is not the spike protein of SARS-CoV-2. The mRNA was synthetic. This is the mod RNA. Now, you should look that up if you forget what that is. It stands for modified RNA. Now, it's not that much of a secret. It's listed in all the documentation, but they still say mRNA. It's not, that's not even accurate. It's not. It's modified. You don't just say, that's an apple. <laughs> you say, well, that's a genetically modified apple. That's a GMO. They're forced to put stickers on it, right? So why would they not do the same thing here? Why don't you want to know you're using genetically modified items in your body? I think they knew people would care. That's why they kept it quiet. In any case, the modified RNA is synthetic, a kind of computer code directing the cell to make the synthetic spike protein. The code produced a mutated spike protein or variant. No way to tell if close and close enough to enable the immune system to recognize the spike protein of the virus. The vaccine does not use the viral spike protein as claimed by Pfizer. Now, most of this, I wholeheartedly agree with because the documents show this, but he'll admit himself that some of this is his opinion. So take that for what you will, but it's a, I think it's a valid opinion. How does an mRNA vaccine work? <clears throat> now he lists off what they, what they'll say about it. mRNA delivered into the body cells by lipid nanoparticles instructs the cell to generate the spike protein found on the surface of the novel coronavirus that initiates infection. One, two instructing cells to generate the spike protein spurs an immune response including generation of antibodies specific to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. The above is from the frequently asked questions section of Pfizer. He says, I believe the phrase specific to the SARS-CoV-2 spike protein is most important, particularly specific to. The reason for that is the immune response to the synthetic spike protein generated by the mRNA, not the spike protein of the vaccine. Immune response to any exposure to the virus is not specific to the spike protein of the virus. The vaccine immune response is geared only to the synthetic spike protein manufactured through the modified RNA. This is a limited response to just that one thing. We've seen peer-reviewed science make this point. We've seen other scientists speak up about this. At, or the doctors we played many times, as I don't have to play again for you, I'm sure, that if you use the wrong injection, creating the wrong antibodies, you have problems. Dr. Cole said this. Dr. Fauci said this on the record before we got here, of course. And it says the vaccine immune response, yes, is the only one thing. There is no flexibility to the response. It goes on to say, I might be wrong. But my opinion is that this could be hampering the response. All of this made me think of this exchange. And he points to this tweet, which I do think is important. Thank you for sharing this. I'm not sure what this is. I, I didn't look at that. Here is the tweet. This is uh, Sabine Hazan, MD, gastro enterologist, researcher, consultant, speaker, CEO. It says, all my patients today were vaccinated and super sick. And here's the kicker. They still had antibodies from the vaccines. Well, how does that make sense? Why? Because they're only immune to a portion of the first strain. We are beyond strain one. Even, you know, whether you believe that's what's happening or not, that's their narrative even. That's what they're saying. This, this virus mutated thousands of times already since strain one. So here's another doctor telling you exactly the obvious reality. You are giving people something that causes problems, that causes antibody-dependent enhancement, that causes your body to literally attack itself. I'll play one. There's another element to safety, and that is if you vaccinate someone 
and they make an antibody response and then they get exposed and infected, does the response that you induce actually enhance the infection and make it worse? And the only way you'll know that is if you do an extended study, not in a normal volunteer who has no risk of infection, but in people who are out there in a risk situation. This would not be the first time if it happened that a vaccine that looked good in initial safety actually made people worse. Jeez, sorry about that. I couldn't find the damn link again. <laughs> I, I always have those set up with the opening so I can play it like that. And I, I clicked it. And it was in the middle of my notes and I couldn't find it again. Apologies. We're not starting over. <laughs> okay, so my point to you guys is obviously, and as he said, the only way to test that is in your body. And then what's interesting is once that begins to show the problem that he said you wouldn't see until you put it in your body, they pretend it's not there. So it's possible, we know it's possible, and we see it happen, and they just go, fake news. Not only fake news, but that's not even possible, they say. But Fauci just said it was. So did a bunch of other people. How ridiculous is that? Okay, so this was the other link he put in there. This is April 19, 2021, for crying out loud. COVID-19 virus spike protein detected in the urine. Okay, so the point is, guys, this can happen with the injection as well. It's very, very clear. What it does says down here was the one point. I want, I'm trying to skip past this, actually. The point was that, the, the, that it's, inter, I guess I'll read through it. Suggesting the, vi the viral infection leads to kidney abnormalities, according to uh, findings from the recent study. Now, remember that your injections are increasing your risk of getting sick. So even those that want to scream that it's lessening your problem, and but you're the ones yelling about long COVID, which I don't believe is even a problem. I think it's more psychosomatic, as the peer-reviewed scientists found twice, in fact, but you're the one saying long COVID is super dangerous. You're taking something that's increasing your risk by four times in the UK of getting sick in the first place. But yeah, it's lowering it, you say. I don't believe that either. But none of that makes sense, does it? Why would you take something you know could cause these long-lasting effects according to your narrative? And then we're pointing out all these other things that could be caused by it because the spike protein can lead to these same problems. And then the point is, your, your increased risk of getting sick could even then lead to this causing that in your body according to your narrative. The person over here with nothing it's just simply dealing with a, a risk of COVID, if you believe that's happening, that is lower than the flu, that in most cases is not even that dangerous. How obvious that difference is. You are taking a dangerous substance that has an endless list of side effects and problems, all super, super rare, they say, but everything points in a problematic direction to something that you're really not that in danger from. Investigators developed an antigen capture assay to detect the spike protein in urine samples. They tested urine samples from 132 adults and children from Yale Hospital and the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, of whom 106 tested positive for COVID, according to PCR tests, right? Which probably a lot of fake false positives, which this says. Assay results showed that 23 of 91 adults with COVID-19 had SARS-CoV-2 spike proteins in their urine. Yale School of Medicine colleagues reported kidney 360. No child with a positive PCR test had evidence of a spike protein in their urine. Although one child with a negative PCR test did. Like, this is just ridiculous. It just shows you they're all taking this stuff as a fact 
These PCR tests are, are wildly inconsistent with what they're doing. Yes, they have a purpose, but it is not used for this purpose. And that's what you get. A bunch of confusing, contradicting realities. In a sensitivity test, the assay detected no spike protein in 20 urine samples collected before the start of the pandemic. In addition, only one adult with COVID had a detectable viral RNA in the urine, suggesting that the presence of the spike protein was not due to the presence of SARS-CoV-2 infected cells in the kidney. Right. It's probably the injection causing spike proteins, but we won't talk about that. Altogether, our data suggests the presence of spike protein in the urine samples of some COVID-19 patients may still be indicative of an unknown or unpredicted kidney injury, most likely spilling of spike protein from the serum. Yes, exactly. The vaccine, you mean? Or how about the fact that regardless of any of this conversation, that the spike protein in and of itself can find its way into your body from the injection and cause the same problem? Right there. Salk Institute, highly regarded, by itself causes disease, which means it can then spread and cause disease again in somebody else. That's incredible. Now, finally, I'm just going to run through these really quickly. Albo, this new this uh, new prime minister, I believe that's what it was, right? I'm gonna, I forgot to organize this, actually. Follow me really quickly. Confirm, make sure I'm not getting his name wrong. Right. That's what I thought. Just making sure, so I'm not making an assumption. So we're talking about Albo in, in Australia. After the after the election, tr- trying not to answer this question, and not right, who basically is he going to allow the World Health Organization to take over their control of health? Doesn't want to answer that. Very alarming to me, if you want to be honest. Now, a couple quick points before we leave. I was just talking about this. This I'll include this as well. This is the pandemic exercise that predicted specifically that in. May 15th, 2022, isn't that strange? That an attack would begin a monkeypox outbreak in a hypothetical place called Britannia. Even though literally, and we may find out it was May 15th, they say it was like May 17th and it was in Britain. (laughs) Weird. It's almost like they literally predicted what happened, just like with Tibet 201. Isn't that strange? It's not strange at all. In fact, I'm not saying I know for sure, but this is a very obvious correlation the, the, the consistency of exactly this happening is almost mathematically impossible. I would argue it is. But I, I'm not saying just this, just this one, I would argue, is. But the, the fact that they could do this over and over and over and over, 9-11, we weren't testing planes, flying into buildings. It's ridiculous how it's mathematically impossible that it could happen this many times in this many, for one country, every big event. It's ridiculous. But that being said, you could think for yourself, here is the actual pandemic preparedness they kept secret until now about monkeypox happening in this exact moment back in November 2021. But I already talked about this in the last show, as you can see here, as it talks about prepare for the Munich Security Conference tabletop exercise for biological threats. Well, not that's not true. It was just about monkeypox. So it wasn't all high consequence threats. So it's kind of weird they said that. When a global pandemic involving an unusual strain, an unusual strain of monkeypox, so we've had the same thing for all these years. And then weirdly now we have an atypical monkeypox and it happened in Britain and it happened right on the date they said it would. Yeah, that totally makes sense. But that first emerged in this fictional place. But here's what I wanted to share this time, just so we can see the point I was making last time. What did they actually find in this report, right? In 2021, the idea of doing these tabletop exercises to find things like this so they can correct those problems, right? Like event 201 when they found that we didn't have enough masks or we didn't have enough ventilators or we didn't have enough ambulance or whatever. 
because that's what it actually said. Now, I don't agree with those findings. My point is that's what their findings were. And there's a lot of other things. Bottom line, that we weren't prepared for a pandemic. So what they do? Nothing. Now, I shouldn't say nothing. There was actions that were taken. In fact, one of the interesting ones was Trump's action to sort of make things harder to deal with. But the point was that they didn't do any of the stuff that they outlined were what they should have done. And then what happened? Oh, my God, we're short on masks. We're short on ventilators. Oh, my God, we're not prepared. Well, weird. Isn't that what you found would happen and they didn't do anything about? Okay, same point here. Same point with Crimson Contagion. Same point with any of these dark winter. They do the pandemic exercises and then weird, it happens just like they thought. So why didn't they find or take action on the findings that would correct the problems that then ended up happening? Because I don't believe that's what these are for. I believe this is social engineering. Bottom line is, here are the findings. In 2021, weak global detection, assessment, and warning of pandemic risks. Okay, well, right now, that's what they're saying. We aren't prepared. We're not ready for these. We need better systems because look at what's happening with monkeypox. They're already saying that. So if they found that about monkeypox, why didn't they do something about it? I mean, this is just either they're the most incompetent, corrupt organization in history, which is probably true anyway, and they just don't know how to take action on the things they said were going to happen, or this was about seeding the narrative ahead of time. Same thing they found with Event 201, and here we are yet again. Gaps in national level preparedness. <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. Gaps in biological research governance. By the way, Explain for me why they would do a massive tabletop exercise in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, it makes sense, right? Insufficient financing of international preparedness for pandemics. Well, gee, that's what they're trying to rush in with the World Health Organization amendments and treaty. And weirdly, though, they're using the monkeypox discussion to justify what they're doing there. So why wasn't this discussion had before this all started? It doesn't. It's obvious, guys. Either they don't care about solving these problems because they want to abuse them, or it was about seeding a narrative. Now, the report authors developed the following recommendations. Well, gee, what, what are they recommending for you? Well, to bolster international systems for pandemic assessment, warning, and investigation. This, this is the World Health Organization Treaty. That's what this is. Develop and institute national-level triggers for early, proactive pandemic response. Okay, great. Establish an international... I don't mean great like I want these things. It's alarming to me. Establish an international entity a new one dedicated to reducing emerging biological risks associated with rapid technological advances. Hey, that's the great reset for you right there. Biosecurity state. Develop a catalytic global health security fund. Great. So who pays for that? You do. To You don't get to vote on it, though. To accelerate pandemic preparedness capability building in countries around the world. After the one they see coming and then it happens, right? Of course. Establish a robust international process to tackle the challenges of supply chain resilience. Look at that. According to them, that's happening because Putin doesn't even have anything to do with monkeypox. But see, here they are, weirdly predicting exactly where we are right now from a different angle. Guys, this should insult your intelligence. This is a screaming red flag of an alarming, I guess I trapped myself there, a red flag. <laughs> this is a huge indication of pre or foreknowledge or planning. I'm not saying I know for sure because I wouldn't do that because I don't. My assessment, it's quite obvious that at some level, this was not about preparing. 2000, May 15th, on September 2021, they hypothetically laid out a monkeypox outbreak in a place that looks like Britain on May 15th, 2022, and called it an unusual strain. I mean, just where are the statisticians out there? Just with those factors, are you going to really pretend for me that that's not mathematically, like, highly improbable? That you're going to pick the location? 
the type that it's unusual, the date, everything down to like minor, minor differences. Just incredible to me. And again, this is where it all leads. So who is changing their international health regulations? Now, I wanted to go through this in depth, but it's a really long article, but it's outstanding. And I highly recommend you check it out because what they're doing, guys, is, is outlining how they're going to rush this in, maybe even before the treaty. It's alarming stuff, but it's all pointing in the same direction. Oh, I didn't even know. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Excuse me. <laughs> shouldn't have cussed there. I didn't, that was accidental. I didn't want to include this because I didn't verify it. So hear that. That wasn't it. I shouldn't have even. Now that it's there, I'm going to talk about it. I don't know if this is accurate. So I should just move on. But just for the podcast, it's a chart showing wealth inequality and that it seemingly aggressively goes in different directions after the World Economic Forum began. That so the top 1% skyrocket and the bottom 90 go down and, and decline heavily right after 1971. And the, I don't know, I can't verify that. So I'm going to move on. The point was, it would make sense though, wouldn't it? The idea of health in, or the wealth inequality and health inequality happening by the very institutions that are caught are yelling about the opposite, it, you know, which would be ironic in a sense, right? To this point, I only say that because in this, I'm not actually not going to play this because I want to wrap it up right now, but a great, it's a great clip by uh, Rebel News Australia. I'm laughing in my head because they use the word ironic incorrectly, in my opinion, in this video. But the point is, you can't make this stuff up. He says, everything about the world economic is fake. The entire Davos is completely manufactured. They outline how they're building fake buildings. And, and the point is, they're all flooding the Davos right now to decide your future. Jesus, don't take my word for it. Watch it for yourself. It's really interesting. It's only Thanks, three minutes, four minutes. And they just kind of walk along and show you they're kind of constructing all these different things. And but the main point was there is an alarming amount of security. Because by the way, this, oh, that's interesting. Somebody says, uh, went off the gold. That's right, gold standard, 1971. So the timing, what did it say? 1971, yeah. Right, there you go. There's probably a lot more, by the way, to speak in the chat. There's probably a lot more correlation there, actually, for thing, other actions that were taken. But the point is that the security, because these people are the global elitists, we got to stop calling them elite because elite has a meaning and they're not elite. They're elitists. They believe they're elite. That's the point. Elitists mean people that believe that about themselves. When you call them elite, you're calling them special. They're not, right? These are people that think they are and they're trying to decide for you what your life will be like. But the point though, is that they're so aggressively control, uh, uh, secured and, you know, with their details and they're, they're bringing in police and international. Or, why? Because they feel it threat right now. And why do they feel a threat? Because they know at the very least that we think they're doing this. Now, you could argue that we're wrong and they're feeling a threat and that's why they're securing themselves because they're, we're misconstruing what they're doing. But at the bottom line is that's a real dynamic right there. People of the world do not agree with what they're doing, whether or not we're misconstruing what they're doing. So the point is, why are they doing it then? Because they don't care what the average people think. They're deciding for you what the future will be because they're your betters. Didn't you know that? You're, you're the lessers. You're the peons. You don't get to make decisions. They, they you know, what's the word? Um, humor you by letting you check a box every so often or, you know, standing out somewhere chanting. Things. They let you think you're having an effect. Now, I'm not saying that you should stop taking action. My point is that we will have an effect if we realize that we're not on opposite sides. And by the way, we are having an effect anyway. If you're taking action in certain ways, I argue that things like voting are not one of them, in my opinion, unless we're talking a very local level, which even then is susceptible to manipulation, but more likely not. But this is where it all goes, guys. True North, another great outlet in Canada, which I believe is also on Super U. 
Feds consider digital identity and facial recognition for air travel. Oh, weird. That's nothing to do with COVID, really. It's just about what they're doing otherwise, right? I mean, I, I don't even think COVID's not even mentioned in this article. You, can, you guys can see that, right? Here. COVID's not even mentioned. So if it's all about COVID when they're pushing a digital ID for, you know, not changing a you know, facial record or not changing or the, it was the digital currency, but digital identity being part of that and having to, you know, digital ID would be used to be able to transact and take action without interacting the same way as we have before. With the art, that's their argument anyway. It's, it's I mean, it's funny. He's I'm trying to explain it. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. It's because their argument was this was supposed to help fight COVID. Now it's, well, Ukraine, digital IDs, because Ukraine. Well, now it's like, well, just because we need it, because safety. It's always been there, and that's what we said in the beginning. And people call you conspiracy theorists, just like they said, vaccine passports are fake news. And then clearly now they're going, you're fake news for not supporting them. Facial recognition, digital identity, it's all part of the Agenda 2030, UN, WEF organization for the future. That's what's being built, the Great Reset. Now, finally, I think I've downloaded these. So, oh, they're, they're pretty loud. I'll play it right here. As this person is sharing this, getting, you know, a zillion shares, saying Pfizer CEO Albert Borla explains Pfizer's new tech to Davos crowd, ingestible pills, right, with a tiny chip in them that let people know whether they've taken them or not. And it got, it's ever, oh my God, look, we knew it. And it's what's, you know, I guess mildly frustrating. I said, well, look, you follow T-Lab. You saw this last year when we discussed it then. Still just as relevant and still dismissed by those who don't want to see what's being built right in front of them. In fact, around them it is a basically biological chip but it is in the tablet and once you take the tablet and dissolves into your stomach sends a signal that you took the tablet so imagine the applications of that compliance uh, the insurance companies to know that the medicines that patients should take they do take them uh, it is uh, fascinating what happens in in uh, this field it is a uh, Interesting. And that was a while ago, guys. I forget the exact date, but it wasn't recent. So why is it a conspiracy theory then to talk about exactly that thing? Well, that shows you something, right? When there's very clearly a topic that we know is verifiable, that there are scientific documentations like we're building this right now, and then you, you just casually talk about it on Twitter and everyone loses their mind about how you're spreading this information, doesn't that show you something? It shows you that they're deluded, they're being deceived. And that they, at some level, the you people behind it are aware that this is an, this is a, called a conspiracy theory. It's not something that doesn't exist, guys. It's it's conspiracy reality, right? The theory was there. Now they're doing it. It's reality. It's in your world, and it's they're conspiring against you. Uh, somebody says Jimmy Dore did a segment on this. Yeah, exactly. I mean these things, right? We were jailing these things in a year ago, and even people like their show were calling us. You know, I, I shouldn't say that, but we're dismissing what we were doing as ridiculous, and they got the shots, and they went along their path. And I, I, I get it. People got scared. What's frustrating though is that those same people then failed to point back at those of us that were, you know, taking, you know, making the path, taking all the flack. But anyway, I digress. So here it is, another point. Same thing I shared. It's very clear that this is the most, the most certainly not all conspiracy theory. If you simply listen to what they're explicitly telling you. Can you imagine that in 10 years when we are sitting here, we have an implant in our uh, brains and um, I can immediately feel, because you all will have implants, I can, and we measure your, your brain waves, and I can immediately tell you how the people react or I can feel 
uh, how do people react um, to your answers? Uh, can you imagine? Just incredible. I mean, just the, just the hubris or the assumption that that's what will be. I don't want that. Do I not have a say in that? Just, just everybody in this room will have all these things? I mean, you could argue maybe it's because he believes he's in a room full of people that support the agenda. But in any case, that's fake news if you say that on Twitter right now. <laughs> it's credible. I just, you know, I, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't be disparaging other people's channels, guys. It's not my intention. It's just the bottom line is that it's important to recognize that stuff, that where this stuff is coming from, right? You can't be the only one covering this when everybody else has been fighting for this the entire time. It's important. We need to come together. On that same note, I mean, I'd love to go on the show and talk about stuff that just doesn't seem to happen. I think there's a problem with some of the people out there that are afraid of losing their partisan side of their audience. I even understand it to a degree. Bottom line is we're going to keep fighting for the truth and we're not going to be, we're going to unabashedly talk about what needs to be talked about, right? Monkeypox comes out and says, that day we are breaking it down and we are dissecting this stuff, even though that's when it's the most difficult to get it through. And that I'm sure will be the building blocks for the quasi-independence a year later, or tomorrow, whenever. But finally, James Roguski points out, turn up the heat. And I agree. 12 of the 13 amendments, apparently, have been removed from consideration. Now, that may be just what they're saying, but the knockout punch still needs to be delivered, he says. Do not let the slack off now. It's time to turn up the heat. So you can go through this and check them out. They're removing. I just, I don't know if I even trust that's actually what's going to happen, but I'm just going to say that it's a good step, regardless, that they feel they have to alter what they're showing you if not remove them, which would be a great thing. But as his point, it's we just like with COVID, it's not over, guys. Everyone got real comfortable, except in Ukraine. But it's it, look where we are. Just like that, it's all back, right? We have to be on guard. Stay vigilant. It's not just a saying. Now, I, I, I'm increasingly enjoying James' work. Check out his check out his discussions here. Now, I'm going to end today with a great new video. Came out today from. Good morning, clown world, Jay Wilderness, doing a great job over there. I'm going to play it at six minutes, so just to wrap it up here, out of the end. It's good timing. We're out at the end, about two hours. But this is specifically discussing monkeypox. And there's a couple of great points in there that I didn't even discuss in the show today. So we'll just let you watch the video, enjoy it. Now, what you're seeing right here in the, out of the gate is the GN, GNN Live outbreak in Brynia. This is the tabletop exercise. Very, very revealing. Jay's doing a great job. Keep it up. Now, I can end it there, guys. I appreciate you all tuning in today. Now, just like I said, be aware. I'm going to do my best to jump on and do some work and stuff, but I just don't, I don't know the consistency over the next period of time, but I'm not going anywhere. So please spread the word and let people know that if I do have a small gap, whenever that begins, that I'm going to be here. And to be quite honest, no matter how I'm feeling, I'm pretty sure this is going to be my, my, my last refuge. I'm going to be here probably taking my mind off stuff. So maybe I'll not take a gap. I don't know. I'm just wanting you guys to know if there was, I don't want you to worry because with everything going on, I get it. I understand the concerns right at the end. They always love to jump in with their garbage spam in our chat, but go ahead and take care of that. One of the mods, I'm going to leave you all with this video. Thank you for being here guys. I just, I don't, you know, really you are a part of this for me. You guys are part of this organization. This is everything. And we are doing something amazing. I just want you to know how much I appreciate you being involved with the information you share. Somebody please take care of that stuff in the chat for me. Oh, it was just Lita. Thank you guys. But it's important to realize that, that we are working together in this. And I, re- I just want to broaden this out. Let's just keep growing this and just keep bringing people into the fold and, and continuing to fight back because you are making a difference. And you know that it's getting worse. They're lashing out. 
But have you ever seen such an effect on the narrative? Have you ever seen so many people pushing back on what they say? Left and right, you know, and then everybody in between, the majority. We are seeing through it. They see it and they're worried. So stay vigilant and get ready for something getting worse. I hate to say that, but that's what I, that's what I believe is going to happen. But this is a fight for everything, guys. And I'm not talking about violence. You know, sadly enough, defending yourself is important. So who knows where this will go? I'm not saying people shouldn't defend themselves. What I'm saying, though, is that I do not recommend violent action. I think violence begets violence. And I believe that this is only going to get more intense because they're not just going to stand back and go, ah, you got us. But it's never been more important to stay the course because you're changing the world. I'm not even trying to be lofty about that. I'm watching it happen. And it's not just T-Lav. It's a lot of good people out there literally changing our direction. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. There are growing questions today around a new and deadly outbreak. Scientists determined that this monkeypox virus was engineered. With limited antiviral drugs and no known effective treatments, countries around the world are struggling to control another pandemic with already devastating effects. Seeing far fewer cases in countries where governments took early and decisive action. And some international experts are urging the WHO to adopt a phased approach to warnings. Also face a new threat that the next epidemic has a good chance of originating on a computer screen of a terrorist intent on using genetic engineering to create a synthetic version 
of the smallpox virus or a contagious, contagious and highly deadly strain of flu. CNN founder Ted Turner, and joining us, the president of Turner's UN Foundation, former Senator Tim Worth. Welcome to you, Tim. Pretty extraordinary thing to have done, to give a billion dollars of your own money away, right? Well, what it did is it, more than just itself, it set a precedent for uh, so many other people to give money while they're young and vibrant and alive and not after they die. I mean, look at what Gates has done, what Buffett's done, and all of the big giving that's now occurring from people. Ted was the first, and I can brag on that. Ted, what do you think America's place in the new world order should be? It's always been seen as the global policeman. I think the global policeman should be the United Nations. Climate change is a symptom of overpopulation and too many people using too much stuff. If we, what we have to do is we've got to stabilize the population uh, and, 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 and quickly because we can't handle 9 million people.